Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on here at THS. Welcome, everybody, to That Hockey Show. It is Thursday, March 18th. Hope all those St. Patrick's Day hangovers are doing okay. Welcome aboard. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuppin, holding down the Go Hockey Media Studios here in New York. Coming up, as always, today, our good friends, Mr. Joe Yurden. These are my line mates. Uh, Joe Yurden will go up to Buffalo and talk Sabres. Man, a lot of stuff going on there. And the Eastern Division, Costa Papalias. We'll talk some Habs in the North Division up there in Canada. Tab will join us, as always, in Chicago, Blackhawks, hockey, and everything going on in the Central Division. And then we'll round things off, as always, with Steve Palumbo. We'll do some West hockey stuff. West Coast hockey, as we call it. And we'll run through a little bit of the... Uh, the news on his New Jersey Devils and see what's going on there. So uh, a lot going on. Again, a belated happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Hope you guys had a great and safe time yesterday. Uh, here we are. It's week nine, and we'll do our usual THS recap for you guys as we go around the coolest game on the ice. So here we go. Um, Ten games on the schedule tonight. I'll run into that schedule real quick, as I always do. But on the sh- schedule last night, six games. You know, halfway point here of the season, uh, something, the theme of the, today's show, too, is going to be about fatigue and the schedule. Um, and in one of the games last night, uh, you know, me as a Ranger fan, I loved it. 9 nothing. we'll take it, beating the Filthy Flyers. I'm all good with that stuff. Um, and I apologize to our Flyers fans out there. I know it was a rough night. Um, but, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, that, that game last night, that loss, uh, a couple of different storylines, obviously, and I'll get that into uh, some of the the top news around the league. But um, you know that that was just a, a, a surprise game, especially on the Flyers side. But not only you know you'd, you'd say it's a good thing they get back at it tonight with the Islanders, but man, you know they just played uh, Monday night there against the Rangers as well too. And I was just thinking maybe one of the reasons they got their butts kicked last night more than anything is because they might be exhausted. This has been a brutal NHL schedule, compact. We're halfway through now. Uh, the game's now even getting more important going forward here with the playoff run and the trade deadline coming up. But, um, you know, we'll get into that more with the guys here as the show goes on. All right, so rest of the games last night. Canucks 3, sends 2. Uh, Jets 4 over the Habs. Costas Hab uh, in overtime. 4-3. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, the Knights 5-4 over the Sharks, maintaining their league there. Uh, up at the top of the uh, Western Division. Uh, the Kings beating up the Blues 4-1 last night, making it interesting there in the bottom four section of that division. And the Oilers lit up the Flames and brought uh, Daryl Sutter's Calgary Flames back down to earth, uh, getting their first loss under his helm behind the bench. Okay, Now, with uh, 10 games tonight, again, uh, most of the night's pretty heavy. Thursdays and Tuesdays pretty much uh, always heavy. So we got 10 games on the schedule tonight. Pittsburgh and the Devils. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, they're, they're just kind of staying in the mix here. Malkin is out now, too. That's uh, uh, also in the news as well, too. So we'll see what the Devs can do, man. They got an opportunity here if they could just kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, you know, tough loss to the Owls, uh, you know, during the week there and the overtime and the call and all that other stuff. But, uh, you know, Lindy's got to get these guys going. We'll see what happens. Uh, Bruins at Sabres. 
Man, Sabres, uh, the big news, obviously, out of Buffalo. Uh, Kruger getting fired, and we'll get into that with Joe a lot here uh, later on as well. Flyers at Islanders tonight. Again, Flyers get a chance to bounce back, but, man, those guys got to be tired and uh, feeling pretty bummed after the huge loss last night. Islanders also losing Anders Lee, their captain. Uh, I believe in Achilles' uh, tendon or heel there for the rest of the season. That's going to be a huge adjustment for the New York Islands and see how they do uh, going the rest of the way. Great test for both of those teams this evening. Uh, Columbus is at the Canes. Canes obviously playing uh, just super hockey this year. Uh, Hawks in the Bolts tonight. We'll get into that uh, with Tab a little bit uh, as well in terms of how uh, he feels the team has done these last uh, four games since we spoke last week and, and what lies ahead. Uh, Preds at Florida, you know, Coach Q and the, and the Panthers there, obviously a uh, couple of wins there against the Hawks now, and the Preds just struggling. They can't f- seem to find their way. Um, so you pretty much can probably chalk that up for another two points uh, for the Cats tonight. Uh, the Stars um, uh, at the Wings tonight. Uh, the Stars got to uh, catch up a lot of ground here if they want to uh, punch up to that fourth spot. Uh, in the division there, too. Um, and uh, the Wings are a team that can definitely grab a couple of points against tonight. Jets at the Oilers, two teams that are playing really good. I think this is the game of the night. Uh, the Oilers, obviously, with a big hurt um, last night on the Flames. Uh, the Jets trying to make a name for themselves, punch up a little higher there towards the Leafs. So uh, I think that's a super game on tap tonight. Jets and Oilers uh, should be a good one. Another great one, uh, as far as the West is concerned, is the Wild and the Avs tonight. Uh, the Wild obviously um, having a lot of fun here, playing really good, surprisingly well. Uh, as trying to get healthy, trying to play uh, competitive here too as well. So that's that's another great game on this evening, no doubt about it. Uh, for the sleeper tonight, probably the Oats and the Ducks uh, to round out uh, the evening's games. Uh, so for you Arizona fans and Anaheim fans, um, you know, have fun or not. Uh, we'll see what happens. Both of those teams kind of struggling. The Oats, the Oats, you know. I don't want to put them out too much. I mean, they're playing kind of tough in terms of the season they've had in terms of off the ice and everything else. But, um, you know, we'll get into this later with Steve-O, too, as far as the Western Division. They're kind of tight there. So, you know, it's it's not a it's not a runaway. I mean, granted, Vegas is up there at the top. But those bottom, you know, three and four and five and six, they're really kind of close there. So um, look for those teams to be, uh, you know, Causing some damage against you. It's just going to be uh, probably a flip-flop kind of thing uh, the rest of the way, no doubt, in the Western Division. So I, I take back my my mocking of the Yotes. It's more on the, the duck side. But anyway, I digress. All right, so let's just uh, take a quick look at the standings here. I uh, always do this as if the playoffs started. Um you know, tomorrow, this weekend, or whatever. Uh, but Tampa Bay still up there, uh, twenty six and two at forty two points. Uh, Florida right behind them there, nineteen five and four, also at forty two. The Caps playing really good, um, six in a row there now with uh, Laviolette, and we'll talk about Ob two in a little bit in terms of him uh, breaking Espo's record. Great stuff there, nineteen six and four at forty two points. Islanders obviously the usual loss of Lee here, um, loss to the Caps the other night. They're nineteen seven and four uh, with forty two points. Knights uh, in fifth, uh, twenty six and one at forty one points. Uh, the Canes, 28 games played, 27-1 with 41 points. Uh, the Leafs there, well, it's surprising. They were all the way up in the top, but they're only two points out of the first. It's just weird when you look at it here on the standings chart. Uh, 30 games played, 1992 with 40 points. And then the Jets, who we were talking about before, 29 games in, 18-9-2 with 38 points. And there you go. Like I said, they're tied now with Edmonton. Uh, also 32 games, 19-13-0 with 38 points. Again, I just think that's a, just a huge, fun game to watch here tonight. Uh, Minnesota, 27 games, 18-8-1 and one with 37 points. Uh, Pittsburgh now losing Malkin there, uh, 29 games played, 18-10-1. The Avalanche, like I said, playing Minnesota, 27 games played, 17-8-2, 36 points. So 
uh, flip-flop of points depending on when, how that game goes tonight. Um, Boston then in 13th there, 27 games played, 15-8-4 and four at 34 points. Montreal, 29 games played, 13-8-8-34. And then St. Louis there, 29 games, 14-10-5 and five at 33. Chicago Blackhawks, 30 games played, 14-11-5 with 33 points. And then Vancouver is just right behind them there as far as league standings in 17th with 32 points at 15, 16, and 2. So there's your top 16. Uh, you go way down to the bottom here, and we'll do the bottom five. Obviously, the Sabres, man, whew, just uh, tough go up there in the north for the Sabres fans. They're uh, at the bottom there in 31st place, only 16 points and six wins. Anaheim, uh, again, uh, 30 games played, only eight wins at 22 points. Uh, the Wings, 30 games played, only nine wins and 22 points. The Devils at 26 games, 9 uh, wins, uh, 22 points. And then uh, Ottawa there around on the bottom five, uh, just just a little bit behind the Nashville uh, Predators at 12, 6, and 1. 25 points, but the Sens, 33 games played, 10, 20, and 3. So uh, there's a quick look at the standings. As far as who's hot and who's not, uh, McDavid still leading the league in uh, scoring points, uh, 56 points on the season, man. He's unbelievable. So we got, what, 25 games, 20 games to go, whatever. Can he hit 100 points? Man, cross your fingers. Hope he stays healthy. Uh, that would be a great thing for him to do personally and uh, a lot of fun for us as fans to watch him try and get there. Uh, Matthews, 21 goals. Can he get 50 goals in 56 games? Let's see what happens there. Again, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, McDavid leading with uh, 28 assists. And um, Pavelski's got 10 power play goals. Still in the league with that. Cam, Ugh, Cam Atkinson <gasps> in Columbus there uh, leading the league with shorthand goals with four. Um, and Vasilevsky there hanging on to the wins league for the Netminders, uh, 18 there in Tampa Bay, and Grubauer has tied uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, and they both equally have four shutouts. So there's your leaderboard. Um, top news around the league, like we're saying, uh, congrats to Ovi getting uh, 718 goals, uh, beating Espo's uh, record. Uh, all good stuff. He scored it with a butte in his house uh, there against the Islanders, so that was just great to see again. How is he wide open like that on a power play? You know, that's where he's going to go, uh, where he's going to be. But Ovi looking good. Team's looking good. Uh, right now, if you ask me, I think uh, the Caps are my favorite right now to to, to win the Cup uh, with Laviolette, experienced team. If they stay healthy, um, you know, I think they could just be uh, running and gunning. Ovi just looks really good out there, man. So congrats to him. Good stuff. We'll see what happens uh, uh, the rest of the way there, too. So uh, in addition to uh, the Flyers and, the, and that Rangers game, the Rangers have had such a, a weird, wacky season with a lot of stuff off the ice. You know, last minute there, uh, COVID protocol, uh, Coach Quinn, and uh, Coach Martin and the rest of the coaching staff uh, has to quarantine, can't get behind the bench last night. So Chris Knobloch, who uh, coaches the Wolfpack there in AHL and Hartford for them, he gets in. And obviously the, the back and forth between Ranger fans is, you know, is Quinn the guy, is he not the guy, so on and so forth. But the Rangers get a full lineup in there, pretty much all their stars, all their guys, Georgiev back in nets. And, you know, like I said, maybe the Flyers are just tired one way or the other, but they, they, uh, they beat the crap out of them. But... What a trip that their uh, Hartford coach uh, gets in there, and uh, he coaches them to a 9 nothing win at the Garden. Uh, just uh, you can't make this stuff up as far as the Rangers story is going uh, this year. Obviously, up in Buffalo, and we're going to get to this uh, in-depth with Joe here in a little bit, uh, and that's uh, Ralph Kruger getting fired in Buffalo. I guess, you know, there's two sides of the story that was obviously going to happen. What else are you going to do? You can't fire the team. Uh, they're just, uh, I mean, how do you get out of this hole? So uh, they make the changes. Uh, Kruger's a well-liked guy. Um, it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, this is what happens. Uh, Dan Granato comes in as interim coach with a couple of the guys. Dan Girardi, former Ranger, I think he's on the bench too. 
Um, so we'll see what happens, and, and we'll talk to Joe about what the Sabres should do going forward uh, in terms of salvage anything from this basically lost season. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, and then, like I said, big injuries there. Anders Lee uh, going down for the Islanders. Uh, their streak stopped. Their winning streak, their point streak, everything stopped with the loss to the Capitals the other night. Uh, Anders Lee is just a phenomenal, uh, not only a great player, a huge part of that team, the captain, obviously, but uh, just a great person and a great leader. So it'll be interesting now. Um, the Isles have had a little bit of fun beating up on the Devils and the Sabres uh, for quite a bunch of games there. So now with uh, some tough games on the schedule for them, uh, and now without their captain, uh, we'll see how they play. It starts tonight against the Flyers, and, and we'll go from there. So keep an eye on the Islanders, who are have been playing really damn well, winning the games they're supposed to win. So you got to you know, give them a, a tip of the hat for that. And, uh, but that's a huge, uh, huge change for them, something they'll have to deal with uh, going down the road. And then uh, obviously Malkin out for the Penguins. Uh, they'll have to make some adjustments too in Pittsburgh, and you know, like I said, you're looking down at the uh, the three, four, five spot there in the division. Uh, you know, the Rangers, like I said, if they can kind of hang tough with the Caps here, they got four coming up, and you know, everything that's going on in every division right now is you know, it's there, man. If you're fans, maybe not so much in the Central in terms of um, you know who's behind the Hawks down there with Dallas struggling and, and Columbus, and we'll see what happens there and the Red Wings, but uh, around the rest of the league, man. You can you can pretty much gonna hang in here till the end. Uh, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. And again, we have the trading deadline coming up in about three weeks, so could be a lot of changes, sellers, buyers, and uh, in a fifty-six game season, a short run, and then the playoffs. Um, you know, buckle up, folks. It should be a hell of a ride the rest of the way. All right. Well, that's enough of me. It's time to get things started here at THS and bring on my line mates. And as always, out of the face-off circle, we go up to the great city of Buffalo in the great state of New York and get together with our good friend, Mr. Joe Yarden. Joey, how's the head from St. Patrick's Day? You're all right, laddie. Oh, the Guinness always treats you well, my friend. It's always, <laughs> it's, it's the uh, solution and the cure to what ails you. I'd say there's a lot of drinking going on up in Buffalo every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the uh, I think the drink at this time around was a little bit even more celebratory. Uh, to to tell you the truth, after what went down on Wednesday, Coach Kruger is finally gone. So let the me, fans have been waiting for. Yeah, let me um let me try and flash back here a little bit with you because I'm I'm trying yeah. to particularly remember where you were at on this. Were you did you think this was going to happen? Bound to happen? I can't remember. I mean, and and ultimately now. You know, it's been an, you know the twelve game losing streak. Obviously, every week here, yeah. I feel so bad for you and, and all the fans here up in Buffalo. But um, <laughs> is this the right thing to do here now? Throughout that, that whole patience thing, and we'll get into it here in our discussion. But I guess you'll start yeah. there in terms of where were you at even before you know, like uh, two weeks ago. I was. Uh, I think two weeks ago, I was like, this is not going in the right direction. It might be time to look. And then things really got out of hand with with what happened with Jeff Skinner. And, you know, everything that happened with that, everything snowballed really fast after that. Um, you know, the t- you know, at least a couple of weeks ago, you could say bad luck was was a bad luck and poor goaltending were reasons that they weren't having success, which is fair. And, you know, there's not a lot you can do about, you know, goalies making great saves or putting shots off the post. But uh, but after that, it certainly seemed like he lost the team. He lost the room and, and he was out of solutions for how to fix this. And, but when it gets to that point, yeah, you gotta, you gotta make a change 
So I was I was on board with with making a change a couple of weeks ago, not to be all I told you so hipster mm-hmm. about <laughs> about making a coaching change, but it was it, it was something where it it was time. And obviously, when you get to a twelve twelve game losing streak, like you got to do something. Like you, there, there's something you have to do with, and you can't do much when you know you you got Eichel out, you got Cousins out. And there's not a lot of people you can bench to send a message anymore. Like if if benching Skinner a couple weeks ago was a way to send a message, uh, the message fell flat. So if you're going to try to do more message sending, forget it. Like the, you're you're out of answers at that point. You got to make a different. You got to make a different move. Yeah, no doubt about it. Unfortunately, you can't fire the whole team. So we'll do the ugly recap as we <laughs> always do here. Uh, Twenty eight games in now, six eighteen and four, only sixteen points, eighth in the division and last in the league. Um, four losses again since we last spoke and continuing on with the streak here. And, you know, loss to the Caps Monday and, and Devs Tuesday mm-hmm. and then, uh, um, you know, Boston uh, today and Saturday this weekend coming up. So it doesn't get any easier. And then uh, Rangers, Pittsburgh and Boston a couple more times as well. Um, you know, Don Granado takes over here. Um, Kevin Adams said, you know, tough decision. But, you know, just in terms of talking to you, I mean, does the is it really a tough decision for the the organization here now, um, really as a business standpoint uh, as opposed to a personal standpoint? Because Kruger's you know he's he's a well liked guy in the league. Yeah, he's he's well liked in the league, and you know what the the players liked him too. Uh, um, you know, which I mean, it might seem weird that the team played so poorly for him, but I mean the, that was the case with Phil Housley as well. Players liked Phil quite a bit too i mean they respected him for his his playing history and being a hall of famer and everything but you know but what matters are the results on the ice and and the i you know the coach has to be the guy to to steer the ship in the right direction and in phil's case he didn't have any different ideas on how to try to change what they were doing a lot of what phil did was just listen at some point what i'm teaching you is going to get through and it'll we'll have success with this and that was not the case and i think ralph to some degree, that's that's the same way, um, and I think it's it's torturous for both of them in, in each case because there there were some signs of success with that in their first season with the Sabers in both cases, but you know in the second season when you know you're, you keep going to the same well to try to fix the problems, uh, at some point the players are just kind of like, all right, man, we got to try we got to try something else here. What else you got, coach? And coach is just like, no, trust me, just stick to this and we'll do it. And that, you know, when you keep losing games, you, the, the, that message start stops working. Yeah. And I guess, you know, Joe, what do we, what do we do here? Well, I mean, you look back, I mean, you know, uh, added at Boston tonight, uh, Boston had to cancel their practice this morning. So maybe they'll get an extra leg up on them uh, due to COVID. Oh, Sabres, <laughs> Sabres had to cancel theirs too. Oh, they, really? They, I didn't hear they've that. They've got a, yeah, they've got a staff member who's in COVID protocol, not, not a player. Uh, Boston's got a player. So I think that's, that's a bit more dangerous, but yeah, Sabres have a, the Sabres have a, a staff member who's in a protocol. I don't know if that means it's a coach. Um, I don't know if that means, uh, they were talking about Seth Appert, the, uh, Rochester Americans coach was going to have to come out and come up and help on the bench. Uh, while uh, Dan Girardi gets through uh, quarantine because because uh, Girardi was uh, in Canada um, and he's going to be one of the new bench coaches. Uh, he and Matt Ellis uh, after Steve Smith was also fired with Kruger. Um, so Dan Girardi is going to be joining the team eventually, uh, but he has to go through quarantine. So Seth Appert was going to be coming up from Rochester. And I wonder if it's Appert who uh, has to is 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 on protocol watch here because the the Amherst have had covid issues they've had they had three players test positive for it um and they've been in lockdown for over a week now so 
it's it's and that's why the Sabres haven't even been able to recall any players from Rochester to try to alleviate the problems because they're not allowed to. They're all the players are are in lockdown because uh, because they had three guys test positive. So it's 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 Murphy's law, man. Like it's, it's Murphy's law all the way for the Sabres because, you know, you think you can find some answers and nope. And you think things can't get any worse and then they do. So, so Joe, let's have a little fun here, okay? We might okay. as well, because the season <laughs> is lost, okay? Yes. <laughs> um, Coach Joe Yarden goes behind the bench tonight. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, where, where do you start? I mean, you know, we, we I asked you last week about the other guys, you know, with Jack being out, and um, what's Hall's status, too? He took a puck in the face the other night, right? So, I mean. Yeah, he came back in that game, oh. which is craziness he missed uh like he, he got hit in the first period he missed the start of the second period but he came back in the second and played the rest of the game he's a maniac put the seal <laughs> like on I, i'd be i'd be crying i'd still be crying today if that were me getting yeah. in the face of the puck no like, doubt about it. <laughs> so i mean w- where do you start i mean you know i mean the and, and, and you have an interim coach here right now too so uh, you, i guess the first question is i mean let's just stick with the fun here what do you do tonight I, you know what, I try to, I try to open these guys up a little bit, have a little bit more fun, be a little bit more freewheeling, not necessarily make it like a game of shinny, but like, you know, do a basics, you know, a basic system, you know, where, where you're trying to take advantage of the guys that you got. Now, granted, you know, you don't have Eichel, you don't have cousins, uh, you know, Taylor Hall's probably got to have to play with like some kind of like Terminator face shield or something on, you know, on, on his head, um, <laughs> But I, but I tell these guys, play to your instincts, play to play to what makes you a bet, you know, what makes you good and, you know, give them a basic system to try to attack with and kind of go from there. I mean, these guys know all all know how to play. They, you know, they react instinctually. And when they react instinctually, they play better. Like you get too stodgy with some of these systems and then, you know, guys get thinking too much. And I've talked to so many players in my life. And I, whenever I ask them, I say, is it instinct or do you have to actively think about what you're doing out there? And they're like, it, and I remember, I think it was Kyle Pozo told me once, he's, he's like, if I get caught thinking, I'm going to get killed out there. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? It's a hundred percent right. And sometimes you get, you get so stodgy with these systems coaches do that, that they forget these guys work better, you know, just kind of flowing with the game naturally. So I try to find a way to lean into that more because the way that they've played for the last, well, certainly all this season, but, um, but you know, parts of last towards the end of last season when things started really going going into the sewer um, before the shutdown, uh, they were guilty of a lot of the same sorts of things. So I, you know, I just try to get these guys having fun because if you're having fun, you can enjoy playing the game more. You can you know you be a little bit more active, a little bit, a lot more creative, and that's what that's what I try to do. I, you know, I'm not gonna try to screw around with the lines too much because honestly, without Jack and without Dylan, uh, it's really tough to square things away um, to, to get your best offense out there. But, you know, I just try to find something different. I move Skinner up in the lineup. I'll tell you that right now. Jeff yeah. Skinner ain't playing on like the third line, but you know what? The guy he's been playing with Middlestat and Lazar now, I think lately. And that line's been like their best line the last few weeks. And that's, or not the last few weeks, last few games. And I, I mean, yeah, that part of that is with Jack being out, but, but I mean, Hey, lean into what works for you. You know, let those guys, you know, let, you know, let these guys do what they can do and just just have fun. Have fun for once. I know it's tough to have fun when you lost 12 in a row, but holy geez, just try to do something different. Yeah, and, and what do you, you know, as far as like, you know, the, the effect on this on the team, 
you know, most of the guys, you know, obviously as players, you know, whether it's juniors and, and, and going up through the AHL and then and, and obviously some guys here have played a, a lot of puck here over the last 10 years or whatever, uh, your veteran guys up front and stuff like that. Um, I guess just the attitude of the team here, um, you know, getting a, a losing a coach here, having to start over, you know, in a season that's pretty much lost. I mean, do you see it in these guys to kind of keep it together and, and to find that extra push you know, to try and to try and win. Do you think these guys on the team right now, through the experience of now where they've played under Kruger here and 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 not made it happen, do you think there's any hope for these guys? Um, you know, the rest of the way. I mean, what's what's the best thing that these guys can do? Well, I think the best thing that can help them out is finding finding who's going to be your coach moving ahead uh, before the season's over with, uh, just so that these guys can play with play under that coach and you get an idea of how things can, can work. You know, you basically, basically give yourself a training camp before training camp comes around in the fall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you get, so you can see what you've got going and give these guys a taste of what they're going to be in for and give them real game, you know, action for it because you know, the, the, their schedule is going to be so tight from now to the end of the season because of, you know, postponements. And I mean, Hey, they might have two more postponements this weekend, depending on what happens with the, with the contract tracing and, and everything going on with, you know, with the Bruins player being, being sick. Cause uh, I can't imagine they want to recreate what happened with the devils and the Sabres uh, a month ago where, you know, they, they knew they had a, you know, the devils had a player and then they're just yeah. like, ah, screw it. We'll play anyways. And then the Sabres were, were knocked out of action for two weeks. So, um, but get you know and it's no slight to don granado and, and matt ellis and, and dan girardi i mean they're they're interim so like let them let them hold down the fort and just you know keep things going find a coach before the season's out get that coach in place get yourself a head start on next season figure out what you what you can get going with some of these guys and and play for that um you know they, they they're going to be in a tough spot because you know they've got you know you've got eric stall you've got taylor hall you've got brandon montour who are you know, big name UFAs coming up this off season. And when you've got guys like that and you're like, well, you know, are they going to be here to the end of the year? Probably not. At least, you know, I'd say at least two of them probably won't be, you know, maybe Hall will, uh, because they're, you know, they're talking about keeping him, you know, uh, long-term for, you know, for some kind of payout, but, um, but, you know, just get it figured out. <laughs> it's yeah. easier said than done to just, you know, just figure it out dummies. But, you know, they haven't figured it out in eight years, but, um, but, but just try to get an idea of where you're headed to headed to in, in, in the next year, uh, because you're going to need to get that figured out. And you know what? The clock's ticking on Jack. Uh, because at what point does Jack just say, this isn't working here anymore. It's time to go. And it's up to it's up to the management to figure out that they need that. They, well, they 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 have it figured out. They know they can't let that moment happen um, anytime sooner than than it should. Uh, but if you get a coach in place that can that can get things started and show some signs of like, oh, hey, all right, maybe this is going to work. Then I think that's the, the best way to go about it, because if they fail to do that and they let Granado coach out the rest of the year, if they're not having him be the coach moving ahead, I, I, then I'm not sure a lot of time what you're doing. Was, because yeah. if you're if you're if you're saving all of this up to to wait till training camp to have guys know what they're getting into, I don't know how you run free agency. I don't know how you you handle any of that because you're going to have so many questions lingering around. Like you know, 
you know, when it comes to like, if you try to bring in a, a name guy and free agency, it's like, well, okay, well, what's Jack doing? Well, while he's here now, you want to come and play for him, right? It's like, well, what about a year from now? You know, what about trade deadline this upcoming season? What's going to happen then? Like, how, how is this all going to break down? You know, you want it, you got to know what you're getting, you're getting into. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Joe, with the coaching, I think that's a great point. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the Sabres should get somebody in there as soon as possible. So on that note, with, you know, uh, I mean, unfortunately, how unsuccessful the franchise has been here uh, for so long. Number one, um, you know, who do you who do you think would be a good guy to come in here who's available? Um, who would you like to come in? And number two, you know, would an experienced coach want to come to Buffalo? I think most people would say, hey, look, if a co- when a coach gets fired, they'll take a job anywhere. They just want to work. They want to play. Uh, I mean, get back in the play of things and everything else. So on those two things, who do, who do you think would be a good fit for the, for the Sabres right now in terms of uh, what you said, maybe building up a system and, and maybe obviously, you know, uh, leaning, you know, getting over the shoulders of a guy like Jack Eichel the rest of the way and, uh, and the rest of, uh, of the young parts of this team, um, you know, and, and uh, who do you, who do you think would want to come here? I, I I look I think the guy that fits both of those criteria who wants to come here and who who works best for what the roster is right now is Bruce Boudreau. Um, you know I, I remember you know the way he coached the Washington and he had to learn a lot on the fly there uh, because they went from a very run and gun defense kind of optional team having to, to realize hey we got to defend better if we're going to be able to try to hang in there with the Pittsburghs and and everybody else in the East uh, if we're going to be dominant you know if we're going to try to win a cup here this is what we have to do i mean remember that remember seeing that scene in uh the 24/7 when they were when they were playing against uh Pittsburgh in the Winter Classic in 2011 was it i think it was 2011 I'll um, pretend it was joe yeah and um <laughs> You know, there was that well, there was that one scene where like they just got their they got pantsed. You know, they just got their they just got blown out in a game and they were so lax defensively and everything and and they were in the middle of a losing streak and Bruce said, You know what? Screw it, we're gonna trap. You know, you guys hate it. Like I know everybody in this room hates it, but we need to do it. We gotta say we gotta do something to save ourselves defensively. You know what? Turn out to work. I mean, it wasn't the classic New Jersey, you know tackle everybody in the neutral zone kind of trap but it was but it was enough to turn the tide of the game because they had the speed and the skill players to be able to do it so you get somebody who understands what that is but you know for for all the goofiness and fun loving spirit that Bruce has that dude is 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 an intense coach because he does not stand by idly for losing like that and i remember Marcus Felino telling us this in buffalo when he came back after he was traded to minnesota and he, this, he said the stark difference between being in Buffalo and being in Minnesota was that, you know, in Buffalo, you know, a couple losses happen and it's just like, all right, well, you know, we'll get them next game. And he said in Minnesota, you lose a game and it was just, you know, it was hell on earth because you can't lose a game. You know, you're in a division with the Chicago Blackhawks and the St. Louis Blues and all those teams. You can't afford to lose a game. And if you consider yourself a team that's going to be in that contention, you can't do that. And he's like, Bruce held, you know, holds us to task for that, that stuff. And that to me, hearing it from a player, just kind of like, whoa, all right. I always thought he was just kind of a goofball guy. No, no. Uh, so I look at it. Bruce is a guy that fits that mold for both of it. Now, I mean, it's up to the Pagoulas if they want to p- spend a lot more money on another coach. I mean, they're still paying out, you know, uh, all the Bottrell's people that they let go last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, Steve Greeley and, um, and everybody there. And then, you know, they're still paid. They got to pay Ralph for one more year at $3.7 million. So if they want to drop five mil a year on Bruce Boudreaux, cause that's probably what it's going to cost you. Yeah. Um, 
you know, that's up to ownership to decide if they want to do it or not. But he's the guy that makes the most sense. Now, if they're thinking far ahead into the future for, for a coach that um, you might have to have in place in case of a life after Jack, that's, you know, it's going to be a young team and rebuilding, you know, with prospects and all sorts of stuff like that. Then I think them peeking into the college college ranks makes some sense. And there are some college coaches that are, you know, maybe they've peaked out right now in college to say, hey, the NHL is the next challenge and guys that are really good. You know, I think of Nate Lehman at Providence. He's a guy they were interested in a couple of years ago. Uh, Scott Sandlin from Minnesota Duluth is another one. Um, you know, two guys, coincidentally, who played in the Frozen Four in Buffalo a couple of years ago, um, whose teams were there. Uh, Greg Carville at UMass. That's another one. Um these guys are all doing outstanding work in college. And I think the NHL is the next step for them. It's just a matter of when they want to do that. And if, you know, if the call to the NHL is, is their time. Um, but I think in a guy, in a case of a guy like Lehman, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he won at union, a school that where they weren't allowed to, to put out scholarships uh, to, 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 to bring players in and did it through grants and whatever. But, um, but they had, you know, that road for him to get them a championship was hard and Providence. I mean, they hadn't been winners since Lou Lamorello was a coach back in the eighties at Providence. So, you know, he was able to bring them up and get them a national title coincidentally enough against Jack Eichel's Boston university team. So, um, you know, so, I mean, I mean, Joe, do if the they fan, hire Nate, do the fans have the patience though, to go that route or does, does the organization no. now they're, they're in a rock and a hard place because, you know, they need to get, you know, with fans coming back to the building one way or the other, and the money that's involved, and then you know the players, uh, you know, with Jack coming back, and and Omar going to be hopefully coming back too. I mean, on the business side of things too, a guy like Boudreaux, I think, is a good pick. Like I said, uh, just good personality, and I think he can kind of whip these guys up a little bit for for next year. It's not going to happen this year, but um, is that that's another long, long wait for the for the Sabres fans? Are they can they do that? I think. Sabres fans are in a weird spot there. There's a big chunk of them that are impatient that are just like, get to the playoffs now. And then there's another part of them that are just checked out. And they're just like, you know what? Get a good coach. I don't care who he is. I don't care who they are. If they're the right coach, just get them. Like (laughs) they're, you know, the, the Sabres have gone down different roads for each coach. Um, the last, you know, six, seven years where every possible choice has been one where it's just kind of like, huh, all right, I see what they're doing here. Okay. That's the, that seems like the right call. And then none of them worked, you know, uh, starting with Dan Bilesma, you know, Stanley cup winner, you know, tons of playoff teams in Pittsburgh, you know, coaching winners, the, the whole thing failed. Uh, Phil Housley, just, you know, fresh off of being an assistant coach with Nashville that went to the cup final, you know, he's a hall of famer, Sabres legend, the whole, you know, the whole nine yards didn't work. Ralph Kruger, okay, outside the box guy, uh, probably unfairly fired in Edmonton, you know, after a, you know, a lockout shortened season, uh, you know, knows Taylor Hall. He was able to get him here. Let's see what he's got. No, didn't work. Um, so now it's just kind of, you know, I guess the only option right now for doing something different is getting a college coach. But, you know, is that the right call? I don't know. Is Bruce Boudreau the right call? I don't know. People look at Boudreau's history and say, oh, the guy's not a playoff winner. And, you know, I, I look at it, you know, he picked up a Minnesota team that that kind of stunk and made them, a, you know, an annual playoff team. And, you know, he had nothing but playoff runs in Washington until the end when he was let go. But, I mean, 
geez, get to the playoffs now. It's it, the, the, the Sabres are in a bills like spot where it's just like reset the counter, get to the playoffs and just like, just, you know, get it figured out from there. And, you know, if you can get another playoff spot after that, okay, fine, but whatever, just start building towards better things right now. It's just, they're, they're stuck in a quagmire and you don't know what the right idea is because everything they've tried has not worked. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a, uh... It's a huge, huge hill to climb up there in Buffalo, absolutely. Hey, Joe, um, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the league, but one of the things I want to do before I let you go today and what I'm going to do with all the guys today is is I want to talk about fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, baseball, you know, they'll have three to four game sets, but, you know, the, the physical toll on a baseball player really isn't that much. Football, a week between games, maybe you have to play a Monday night or a Thursday night or something like that uh, for a shortened schedule. Um, you know, but hockey and basketball, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to really talk about the basketball schedule right now. I'm sure it's a little similar, but this is really the first time the league NHL, the, the, they're playing these sets of games, two, three in a row. Um, a lot of games in a week. The schedule is really, uh, it's really tough. It's probably a COVID season here too, up and down different teams with, uh, protocol schedules. I mean, I think a lot of people forget about, you know, what the, the Sabres and the Devils went through losing two weeks there and so on and so forth. Dallas, we can go on and on and on. Midway point of the season here, and the thing that pointed out, and the Flyers getting crushed last night by the Rangers, right? And then they got to come mm-hmm. back tonight and play the Islanders. Uh, you see some injuries starting to happen. Anders Lee, Malkin going down. Um, just a quick take, if, if you've noticed something now within the division, um, that, that fatigue in the NHL that maybe we wouldn't see in years past because the schedule's kind of spread out. Yeah, you know, it's I think coaches coaches have to get a little bit more savvy about minute management really for for a lot of guys. Um and I mean that's something we we do see a lot of in the NBA. You know, I I, I always think back to when uh, Tim Duncan was, you know, coming towards the end of his career and he would just he would, you know, he he wouldn't he would sit out games and, you know, they would put DNP old <laughs> you know, like they're just, they just like, he's old. He ain't playing tonight. Just, you know, call, you know, give him a break. He's, you know, he's late thirties. It's fine. Um, but like hockey, you can't have a guy just, you know, elite veteran players, especially superstar players. You can't just sit them out for a game uh, because yeah, losing one game can be the, you know, especially with this setup where all your playoff competition is, is every night. You know, every team you're in competition with for for one of those four spots. Uh, so you can't really take a night off unless, until, you know, the, the wheat and the chaff get separated here, which I guess in the East Division, it's kind of kind of done that to a degree. At least yeah. the Devils and the Sabres, you know, you you could probably rest a Crosby against either of those teams. But uh, but it's still the NHL. And, and, you know, it's the it's the classic NFL cliche. You know, any given Sunday, any team can beat the other. So. Uh, but but being more savvy about minute deployment and trying to take care of some of those guys a little bit better, especially when you know that schedule is going to be compact coming up, makes so much sense that it hurts me. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know that, that a lot of coaches do that because, you know, it, it's all about just sticking to what you do, you know, roll four lines, do whatever. And in some cases with defensemen, it means playing, tw- you know, 20, you know, 22, 25, 26 minutes a game. And you know, trying to cycle those guys out of the, those rotations, it can throw things out of whack because everybody's a routine person in the NHL. So um, it's tricky. It's it's a really tricky balance. But I think it's it's a case where if you have guys that, you know, might have some kind of like nicking, nagging 
you know, thing that's bothering him or, you know, normally wouldn't keep him out of a game. I don't know. Just tell him, take it easy for a night, you know, just be like, Hey, listen, this isn't anything personal, but just, you know, we'll, we're going to, we're going to cut your minutes down. We'll get you on the power play. You know, you, you know, basically, you know, we'll go with 12, six, but you know, you're not going to be playing fourth line minutes, but we're going to cycle that fourth line center in on that top line a little bit more often uh, to, to work in your place, just, just to try to manage things. So, um, I, it's something that's going to make sense down the stretch. Obviously, if you get to the playoffs, the schedule gets a little easier because then, yeah. then you know what you're doing. You're not going to have you know tons of games packed together. But the, you know, with this season where it's like there's a set end date where it's like, nope, we're going to be we have to be done by these dates because the playoffs have got to start then because you know TV schedules and all that crap. But, um, but like if if you got to cram in, I mean, I'm. I feel bad for the end of the schedule because if more games get postponed because, you know, because of stuff like, you know, what we've seen pop up today and we've seen happen all season, man, you're looking at, you're probably looking at guys having to sit, maybe sit games out or you're running the risk. And again, like a baseball comparison is you get a team that's like in that race for that, that game 163 or, you know, they got to play in that one game playoff. It's like, well, do you burn your number one starter in that game just to get through to get to a bigger playoff or you just say, screw it. We'll stick with our rotation. We, if we win, we win, then we'll have our number one guy ready to go in the next round. Like, you know, if you, if you got to play like four games and five, five nights to end the season and you need to win three out of those four for the playoffs, oh boy. And I, I mean, that's, it's going to get tough. Like, I mean, that's all part of the thing. And, you know, hockey's sometimes a little too macho to be able to say like, I need a breath, but Man, it's it could get really sketchy at the end of the year with with some of these cases with guys just trying to fight through it. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's it's a uh, it's it's a unique season. It it might you yes. know whoever ends up at the top of the mountain here this year, Joe. I don't know. You know, you definitely what Tampa Bay did last year in the quarantine uh, tournament, but mm. I don't know, buddy. This is uh this one's uh, a tough one too, man. Uh, especially with all foreign these, waters, uh, man. It's it's all it's all new territory. You know, yeah. like th- this is. It's the crazy part with this. Like, it's it's still kind of familiar, but it's not the same. Not at all. Well, buddy, hopefully the Sabres can start winning tonight, man. Get some things going. <laughs> the governor's opening up everything. Let's get some fans back in the building. <laughs> I don't know if the fans want to be back in the building. I know. But... Oh, jeez. All right, Joe, you're the best as always. Thank you so much. Have a super weekend. We'll get back to you here next week. And, again, we're crossing our fingers here for the fans in Buffalo. We get a couple of wins and a new direction. Thanks so much, buddy. That would be That would certainly be nice. <laughs> Thanks, Paulie. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, buddy. Take care, Joe. Joe, you're ladies and gentlemen, as always, kicking us off here at THS. And THS rolls out. All right. It's time to head up to the Great White North and hang out with our good buddy, Mr. Costa Papulias, ladies and gentlemen. Taking care of us. North Division Force, as the Canadian Divisions that we call it here at THS. And as Montreal Canadiens, Costa, how's the head after St. Patrick's Day up in Montreal, buddy? Well, you know, with COVID restrictions, uh, they ain't no drinking this year. So, basically, no green, no drinking. It's not St. Patty's Day, so we just move forward from there. All right. Had a little corned beef and cabbage, maybe, or some soda bread? Nah, no? nah. I dropped some whiskey down my throat, and that was it. <laughs> I lifted up a glass. I said slasher, and I just dropped it down, and that was it. That was good enough, St. Patrick's man. Day. That's well, yeah, all hey, good, man. Uh, well, uh, hell happy, yeah. Happy St. Patrick's to you, my friend. Uh, welcome back, pal. Um, well, I guess, you know, where can we start here? I mean, um, 
just as far as the Habs here, and, and you know, let's just do the usual thing that we do every week here, and and, uh, and get your take on 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 how these guys are playing. Twenty nine games played, thirteen eight and eight with thirty four points, fourth in the division, fourteenth in the league. Overtime loss last night to the Jets four three, but then uh, you guys got a snuck a win out of the Jets there the other night, and then back to back loss to the Flames uh, last Thursday and Friday since last me and you spoke. Um, so let's just talk about those games before we look ahead to the uh, the Canucks this weekend, buddy. Well, I'll tell you what. The Canadians are, like, the, the biggest Jekyll and Hyde team you can find right now. It's bizarre. Because if you remember a couple of weeks back, everybody was worried about Carey Price and him not playing too well and so on and so forth. And now all of a sudden, in his last six games, he had allowed just four goals up until last night. And, and, and so things are starting to look better. Okay, Carey Price is back to normal. We should start winning some more games. In come the Calgary Flames. In comes Daryl Sutter. In comes the trap. Habs can't score. Lose two straight. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just, and then, you know, they, they, they play the Canucks, they win that one, and then they play the Jets, and, you know, they win one, and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. And then, you know, last night's game was a complete, total screw-up by the Canadians. They came out flat early on. They didn't, you know, they didn't have anything, as far as I'm concerned, in the first couple of periods. There was no poise with their defensemen. There was, you know, the the offense was, was, was hitting, but they weren't hitting the net. And the chances they were getting, I mean, Hello Buck was stopping because they were rather easy. Then in comes the third period, and all of a sudden the Canadians are back to the team they were on Monday night. I, I'm at a loss, man. I wish I could put my finger on it, but I know the first thing that needs to be addressed here, and it's something that I've talked about because I said Carey Price will be fine, it's all about defense. The defense does not have the poise to be able to handle the pressure that they're under on a game-to-game basis. When the Canadians dictate the pace... The defense plays a little bit easy, much more easy because they've got support and, you know, they get the puck out of the zone easier. Last night, what happens, or, and, and the two nights that they played against the Flames, the Flames pushed them to the sideboards. The Canadians were trying to get the puck, ship the puck off the half wall and get it out. Couldn't do it. It was getting cut off, and lo and behold, puck was in the back of their net. And last night, if you looked, Xavier Willette even runs over Carey Price at one point trying to chase down the puck. So, like, it's... Damned if you do, damned if you don't. The defense needs to have more poise in order for this team to succeed, bar none. And, Coach, how, how are they going to fix this here? I mean, what do you see from Ducharme? I mean, I, I want to backtrack a little bit first. As far as Sutter coming in with the uh, the trap and, and the flames there, is anybody else in the Northern Division playing that style of hockey right now? Not not at all. The only not reason all. it's happening with not the only reason it's happening with Calgary is because, one, they're having trouble scoring goals, and, two, they need some structure. They had none. And, you know, the only way to get that structure back to implement some kind of system that most of the players are, are, are familiar with to get that cohesion going. The minute you get the cohesion going, then a coach can make the, the adjustments and get the team moving forward. Daryl Sutter is looking at it the right way. He's starting off pure basics, getting the guys to, you know, get, get back into, you know, listening to the coach. Because as far as I'm concerned, Ward lost the bench completely. So now they're going to be listening to Sutter because they have great respect for him. They're going to get everything in order. And lo and behold, you're going to see this team look completely different. Now, going back to the Habs, is that just not a type of game that they were prepared to play against? I, I, I think they weren't ready for it because all year the games have been much more wide open, whether you're yeah. playing against you know the Jets, Vancouver, Edmonton. I mean, all those games are wide open. The defense is you know, it's, it's few and far between. The only other team that was playing any type of defensive style was the Ottawa Senators. And even they had holes in their defense. So, you know, it was more freewheeling. You get in there and you get a team that traps, and lo and behold, you know, you got to adjust in the end game, and no adjustments were made. So that's why the Canadians were, you know, they were caught off guard. 
And then how do you explain the Oilers popping seven goals to that system last night? <laughs> well, it, it's called, you know, just it's the Edmonton Oilers. It's the firepower that they have. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Flames can't keep up with the speed the Oilers have. And, you know, when you got guys like R&H who had two points last night and, you know, Dreisaitl and, and, and McDavid, I mean, if you're not going to stifle those guys, and it's almost impossible to do unless you've got two full solid lines that are ready to go for the entire game, you know, it is what it is. You're either going to get the Edmonton Oilers who, you know, are Swiss cheese on defense, or you're going to get the Oilers that dominate the puck, and you're pretty much licking your wounds at the end of the night. All right. Well, I mean, it's uh, – I mean, this is just a crazy part. I want to get into to, to the division here a little bit uh, after we hit on the Habs here in terms uh, you know, the theme here. I'm asking all the guys here today, Costa, is, is mm-hmm. about the fatigue factor here. And I know we touched on this uh, a week or so ago about the travel that you guys are doing up north. But before we do that, swing back to the defense here on the Habs. I mean, um, what, what do you think needs to, to be worked on here as far as uh, tightening that up? And, and how does that coincide with um, – you know, uh, the goal scoring being down a little bit. Well, your pairings have to be different to start with. I mean, if there's one thing that's been constant this season, it's it's been the play of Shea Weber. He's not playing the same way that he normally does with, you know, that, 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 that strength and that calm that he normally has on the back end. He's starting to chase the game a little bit. So if he's going to be chasing the game, you need somebody to his left that can move. And now for the most part, this season has been Ben Sherratt. Sherratt can move front and back, but he's not lateral. The best guy they have to fit with a guy like Weber is 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 uh, Romanov. Romanov's got the speed, the youth that he can learn from somebody who's a grizzled vet like like Weber. He can learn the little tricks of the trade, you know. And then you know the most consistent defenseman on the Canadians has been Jeff Petrie all season, whether it's offense or defense. So I mean, you can put a blind monkey to his left, and I think he'll play well. So at that <laughs> point, if you know that part, then you put somebody who's a little bit more stay at home. Right now, that would be Xavier Ouellette because you know he's a little bit. You know, he's a little bit fresh. You know, he's from the AHL. He doesn't play at the NHL speed all that much. So he needs to have somebody that's much more mobile than he is. And that's Jeff Petrie. And then the third pairing you're looking at, right? We've got Brett Kulak on the left. And on the right-hand side, I mean, it it could be a toss-up. Because Kulak's had an incredible season so far. For me, the best fit there in order to get that poise that we're talking about in defense would be somebody like Kale Fleury who's down on the farm. Fleury's an up-and-coming defenseman, plays extremely well, plays with confidence, and has poise with the puck. You put him back there with Kulak, you're going to have a solid third pairing. The Canadiens' defense will be structured in a way it'll be able to help the offense out without the panic that they have in their game right now. No doubt. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, you know, with these are all kind of angles that you're throwing out there, and, and I guess we'll do this for the next couple of weeks as, you know, Deshaun uh, moves on here behind the bench. Are, are these things that you think he might be it, it, it might implement, or, um, you know, how do you see his coaching style continuing to evolve here now uh, with the team? I, I, I'm, I'm getting a vibe like he doesn't want to step on anybody's toes right now because he still has the interim tag. Right, he's not the head coach. He's 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 showing for every for Mark Bergevin and especially for Jeff Molson, because uh, like we said earlier, if, if, Jeff, if Mark Bergevin loses his job, chances are Dom Ducharme might be on the outside looking in, as is the rest of the staff. Wow. You know, so I, I think you know he, he's being a little hesitant on pulling the trigger on certain things. I think he needs to like batten down and say to himself, you know what, I got to be my myself in order to move forward here, and whether that's stepping on Luke Richardson's toes or whatever the case may be, it's got to be done. You know, they've already done it with a goaltending coach. Goaltending coach is out. They've already done it, you know, by getting Kirk Muller out and by getting Claude Julien out. Now you've given Ducharme a blank slate. This is your team. 
run with it. He's a good coach. I have no doubt that he can get the job done. But I think right now he's lacking the confidence to make the decisions to get the team where it needs to be. And I think if he can get that confidence and he can decide, you know what, the hell with it. I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want to do. The team's going to move forward from there. It's just a question of time. Gotcha. Just time. All right. So real quick now, um, as far as the standings here and, uh, you know, I'm glad you guys, I'm sure you guys, like I said, the split with Winnipeg, uh, glad to see those guys go for a little bit and just looking ahead here now, uh, things tighten up a little bit. Uh, the Canucks are only two points behind you there and, and you guys are four points behind Edmonton. You got two against the Canucks this weekend and then a three shot against the Oilers. And then, uh, I guess you could call them your nemesis is the Ottawa Senators. I think you got a four game set with them. Um, what's your take, uh, look ahead in terms of, I mean, the obvious, how important it is. Um, but you know, talking about Duchamp and, and seeing some of the, the, the issues that they have, um, it's just put up or shut up, huh? It pretty much is. I mean, it, the Canadians team, the team as a whole is tailored to play against teams like Edmonton because Edmonton's defense is ripe for the taking. You know, they can bang the defense. They can get the puck to the front of the net. They have the physicality to get net front presence and really create offense. Whereas, you know, the Oilers are like a tra- complete transition team, right? There's no, you don't need to worry about them, you know, coming out slowly and systematically and whatever. It's basically get the puck up, dry sidle, and RNH or McDavid and go, go, go. And that's pretty much it. So it's a transition team. They move the puck in transition and away they go. So as long as the Canadians can cut off that, the, the, the outlet passes from the defense up to the forwards because the forwards tend to take a little bit more ice than they should on the Edmonton Oilers, they'll be able to have success against Edmonton. When it comes to Vancouver, help take Tyler Toffoli out for a big steak dinner at the keg, you're fine. That guy's going to score goals until he's blue in the face against that team. That's the way it's been all season long, and it'll continue to be that way. You know, Edmonton is very – not Edmonton, but Vancouver is very fragile. Right, right now, they're just like the Habs in the sense that they play well one game, and the next game they take a couple of steps back. Just step on their throats. If the Canadians go out there and just put pedal to the metal and put them on their heels, Vancouver can't recover. They don't have enough firepower up front to do that. So the Habs will just put pedal to the metal. And when it comes to the Ottawa Senators, the one piece of advice I can give the Montreal Canadiens, don't take them for granted. Just because they're in the basement doesn't mean they can't hurt you because they've already done it. So yeah, play your game. Don't play theirs. Absolutely. And you, they got a, like I said, it's a tough five set there before they even, even get to Ottawa. But uh, no doubt. I mean, it's a crucial point of the season here, uh, midway point and. You know, when you look at these four, three, four, and five spots here uh, in the divisions, this is the opportunity for teams now to try and really go out of the way to, to keep them down, just like you were saying about uh, Vancouver. You know, with that said, real quick, let's hit on the division here, uh, Costa. Um, you know, is, is Toronto still the studs here, or is this division still basically up for the taking? Toronto's still the studs, so long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot, because they do that notoriously every season. They beat themselves. That, that's the best way I can put it. If, if Sheldon Keefe can keep those guys under wraps and stop letting their egos take over, that team's going to have success. But there's, to me, there's too many egos in that locker room, and there's too much, you know, me, me, me. you got to go to those guys together and tell them, listen, in order for us to succeed, all of you have to play together. And it can't be Matthews, and it can't be Marner, and it can't be, you know, Riley, and it can't be you, and it can't be you. It has to be the logo. And if he can get that message across, this team's going to go all the way. They have everything they need to do it. Absolutely, man. Good points, man. So it's, it's going to be some fun stuff this, uh, to play out here. And obviously, uh, you know, we got uh, about three weeks here before the trading deadline. 
Um, and I guess real quick on that, do you, do you think the uh, the Habs will be buyers or sellers or just kind of ride this out? I don't think Mark Bergevin's got any room to move, given the fact that he jettisoned his entire staff. Player yeah. movement's going to be the last thing he's going to be able to do. Okay. I think he's the, t- he handcuffed himself. Yeah, I hear you. And I know we're doing a quick hit here to, today, Costa. The last thing I want to get your take on, too, is uh, I'm asking all the guys – um, you know, the, the Flyers and the Rangers played last night, and obviously as a Ranger fan, I'm loving it. They put the nine spot up. I was shocked, um, especially against the Flyers and everything. But I did step back and say, man, you know, with this NHL schedule, you know, you got fo- football, you know, they got a week between games. It's just as taxing as far as physicalness in the body. Uh, baseball, they played three or four sets, but it's not as taxing and no physical uh, aspects there as far as checking and skating and all that other stuff. What's your take on the fatigue? Because that's what I kind of took out with the Flyers last night, getting crushed last night, and then they got to go back at it tonight against the Islanders. Just a quick take on that before I let you go. It's too much. There's only like there's a reason why the league decided to put in a, a mandatory bye week for every team. You know, and 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 the bottom line is is like some teams like Montreal got it way too early in the season. Yeah. You know, this is crunch time for them. This would be the time for the Habs to get that one week off where they can lick their wounds, get some guys going, make some adjustments and and move forward from there. You know, and and then you, you Players that are, teams that are playing two, three, four games back to back to back, I mean, you're going to end up dropping a load of energy in one game, depending on who the opponent is, and then the next game, you're not going to have anything left. Yeah, I said this earlier in the season. If if teams don't use their taxi squad effectively, they'll never recover from these back to back sessions that they have. Right? You expect those in the playoffs. You expect those, you know, sometimes in the regular season. But the amount of back to backs this year are unholy, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and you know, and and you know, they really just to get the season in inside of a certain period of time, they painted themselves into a corner where it's going to hurt the quality of the game. And when you're trying to keep people interested in the game, the one thing you don't want to do is hurt what's going on on the ice. And right now, that's what I see the league doing. Yeah, we got to all definitely look out for that. There's no doubt about it because, uh, and this is you know, the the timing of this too is a pivotal point here in the season. Uh, halfway mark, uh, you know, some teams hitting the 30 games there, and it's a, it's going to be a mad rush, um, you know, towards the end here and, and so much stuff going on. But uh, I think the Habs can definitely stick in the middle there if they can just hang on and, and put up some good goals and hopefully have some success against Vancouver this weekend. Hopefully by the time next week, man, two against Vancouver, two against Edmonton before we hit it up again. So it should be something else. I'll be smiling if they do. I'll tell you that much. All right, buddy. Look, thanks as always. Give me a hit here on THS and have a fantastic weekend, buddy. Stay safe. You too. You too, brother. Costa Papulias, ladies and gentlemen, giving us some chat on the Habs and the Great North. The Great White North Division. Canadian Division. All that great stuff. All right. As always, THS goes on. All right, it's time now to go up to the great city of Chicago. Up, what am I saying? Out from New York. Head out to the Midwest. And let's talk some Chicago Blackhawks and some Central Division with our good friend, Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab, how's the head at the St. Patrick's in Chicago yesterday, buddy? Well, you know, um, I'll be honest with you. Not hockey related, but (laughs) when you find out some nine hours before St. Patrick's Day in Chicago, that the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears is going to be Andy Dalton. Um, it's been a rough, uh, rough thirty-six hours, Paul. Um, lots of uh, lots You're of cardiologists. By <laughs> lots of cardiologists have been on call. Uh, livers uh, have had years taken away from them. Uh, it, it's it's been a tough go for for a couple of days, and you know the. 
The Blackhawks have been off since Monday, so uh, they gave us a little bit of a respite. Um, we were able to, you know, dive in the Wayback Machine and watch highlights of the great St. Patrick's Day Massacre fight, um, which the kids don't understand that there are line brawls and then there are referees trying to hold back entire benches from losing their ever-loving minds. Which year um, was that? Oh, God, I want to say it was 86. Uh, yeah, I want to say it was 86. But, that I mean, that was a mess. That was every everybody going. Who was behind the bench for them? Was that was that a keen year? No, that was pre. Oh, God, I'm trying to place the uh, who the coach was well, back who then. Were, who were the Hawks playing, Tap? Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. North Stars at the time, obviously. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Complete rewind. Uh, it was March 17th, 1991. I believe it was a Keenan team, uh, and it was St. Louis, and it was just a complete dumpster fire. Um, the good old days, I'm, baby. I, I'm thinking of some of the line brawls with Dino, but oh, yeah. my God. Um, I mean, you had officials literally begging the players to stay where they were. Uh, and the, the one that I think it will stick in everyone's mind uh, was uh, Dave Manson basically standing there giving the rocks wave to come here <laughs> to Scott Stevens. Oh no. I mean, that's that, right. I'm, Stevens was on the blues. I mean, that they, respectfully, they've, they've, they've whittled the, enough of the fighting out of the game today that uh, you don't get heavyweight bouts today. But it's been a couple decades since you had a heavyweight bout, the likes of Dave Manson and Scott Stevens. But, I mean, my God, it, I, 780 penalty minutes. Not, not really. <laughs> I think it was actually close to 300. Uh, three suspensions, 12 ejections. I really, I think, and I, I, I said Minnesota to start because I think in the eighties with the way that Dino and just kind of got under the Hawks cross so much that was, and the way that they battled in the playoffs in the eighties, that was really kind of where they wanted to murder each other. I, I think the St. Patrick's Day Massacre took a big step in St. Louis, elevating itself into a Detroit level of hatred. Um, <laughs> and it really hasn't simmered down. I mean, one of the things that I think a lot of fans don't appreciate about realignment this year is that while Chicago got Detroit back, which is great for six wins, but St. Louis and Chicago don't see each other at all. Yeah, you're right. Um, and so that that's tough. But yeah. Uh, March 17, 1991, uh, top spot in uh, what earned the name the Chuck Norris division, largely <laughs> that night. Uh, your Chicago Stadium got loud. It got raucous. That was one of, I mean, 91 was a big year. I mean, the All-Star game that year was infamous for a lot of reasons. You know, Gretzky not wanting to play because of the Gulf War starting. The anthem is a legend. Yep. Um and then, you know, fast forward a little bit, and here we are with Battle Royale at the Chicago Stadium, St. Louis and Chicago. Uh, again, 12 ejections, three suspensions, 278 penalty minutes. 
uh, and uh, YouTube fight for the ages uh, that we will look, probably, I would guess, with the way that the game is uh, handling fighting these days, we will never see anything like that again. Blackhawks won the game 6-4 to four for what it's worth, but that was uh, that was an all-timer. But yeah, uh, basically that's... So, so with that context, uh, 12 ejections, 3 suspensions, every guy on the ice wants a piece. That's basically the way Bears fans were approaching... <laughs> The Chicago Bears front office yesterday. Bears fans were Dave Manson at center ice begging <laughs> weekend at Bernie's slash Bears ownership, as we like to say, to come out and see their shadow and give us six more weeks of winter because uh, Chicago was not feeling it on uh, Tuesday. So yesterday there were plenty of reasons to drink other than wearing green in Shot Town. <laughs> oh, man. The fall is going to be fun in Shot Town, no doubt about it. Ah, uh, good stuff. Hey, those old line brawls, you know, like uh, the 90s, the, the last great days of radio, uh, you know, the, the brawls between the avalanche and the and the wings back then, too, man. They were just something else. So, Oh, it was just bitter. Ugh, just brutal, like, brutal stuff. Hey, I mean, you know, on that... But, but free free, free agencies traded everything. Yeah. Now now you don't have guys that spend their entire life wearing one sweater, and, you know, you, you become friends with guys, you know, through your agent, through charity stuff. You get together at all star games, blah blah blah. You know, in free in every sport. You know, the the Cubs and Cardinals don't. I mean, maybe a little bit with Yadier Molina right now with the Cardinals because that's the only place he'll ever play. But you just you don't see a lot of that just soulful guttural hatred. Even the Yankees Red Sox is t- kind of taking a little bit of a step back in in the last few years. Maybe because the Red Sox are quasi rebuilding, retooling right now, but. You just you don't see players hating another jersey like they used to back in the day, and you know I think the fans still do, but it's not the passion isn't quite there because you know Blackhawks fans don't need to be reminded that your favorite player can be in the sweater that you hate most. Chris Chelios did it for us, yeah. so you know it, it, it's it's a fun memory. Uh, it's something we'll never see again. But yeah, St. Patty's Day in Chicago, booyah. Good times, good times. All right, man, so let's get caught up here and uh, do this as we always do. Uh, you know, quiet week last week, but, you know, the, we talked about last week about these tough games coming about against some tough teams like Dallas and, and Tampa Bay and Florida, obviously. It's the 30 games played, 14-11-5, 33 points, fourth in the division, 16th in the league. Um, one and two in the last three, lost to Dallas 4-2 last Thursday, uh, lost both games to uh, Florida Saturday 4-2 and Monday 6-3, uh, and you got the Bolts tonight. Uh, Lankin and in for all three games. Um, you know, like I said, Pulse here a couple of games and then Florida and Nashville next week. So I guess the simplest thing to ask you, Tab, is is what do you see here uh, from the team in, in these three games as far as matching up, um, you know, and extending against, you know, a couple other games there with, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay set that they had before. Um, just where, where do you see they're at in, you know, like I said, since last week, short time and not a lot really too much going on? I mean, you know, Paul, at the end of February – and, you know, back two weeks ago on the 4th of March when we talked before this hellacious stretch of schedule popped up, you know, we, we talked about the fact that the Blackhawks had a really strong month of February against the bottom feeders in the division. Uh, you know, they, they would have had two with Carolina, but one of them got rescheduled. But in February, you're looking at, like, they started the month with two at home against Carolina 
and then it was Dallas coming off of a COVID layoff, Columbus, Detroit, Columbus, Detroit. I mean, Columbus is a tire fire. We joke about that on a weekly basis. Detroit is the embers in a dumpster that the fire has already gone out at this point. So they were able to feast on bad teams. Right now, the Blackhawks are are an intriguing team. I would characterize them as a, a team that is worth watching, and they're interesting, but they're learning. And this is a young team that is still figuring out how to compete and how to finish. And the problem that they have is they're not finishing. Uh, you know, Sunday the seventh of March, they got up three to one, three nothing on Tampa, and gave up the next six. And then they go and give six up in Dallas a couple nights later. And that's kind of been the Blackhawks' M.O. They, they're they way under 500 when they score first this year, which is kind of a, an interesting number because scoring first I don't think drives everything. But when you're blowing multiple goal leads, it it, it's, it can be you know frustrating for the guys in the ice. And that's been a, a trend for the Blackhawks in March is they've competed at times, but they haven't finished the job. I mean, they were they were up on Florida, and then they get to it down 4-3, and then they give up a couple empty netters at the end. So that 6-3 is a little uglier than it probably should be, but this is just the reality of going against some of the best teams in the entire National Hockey League. Let's not limit this to the division. At, at, you know, earlier you know, last week, I think it was NBC – ran the stat that the three best winning percentages or point percentages in the National Hockey League were Florida, Tampa, and Carolina, who are all in this division. Yeah, And so the Hawks are running into a buzzsaw right now, and it's not treating them nicely at all. But they're, they're learning what it takes, and I think that that's critically important. And as long as Dallas continues to struggle with putting together a sustained win streak, which they haven't done all year, um, you know, the Hawks right now are, are sitting again. They're still, with 30 games played, sitting in fourth in the division. Uh, they've got five games in hand on Dallas, and they're up five points on them. They're four points clear of Columbus, and they've both played 30 games. So the bottom half of this division is not pushing the Blackhawks, which isn't good. If you want to make the playoffs, you don't want to back in, going back to the Chicago Bears, getting a gift when somebody else lost on the last day of the regular season. But I mean, look at the division right now. The Blackhawks are four, five, and one in their last ten, sitting in fourth. Tampa's seven, two, and one in their last ten. Tampa's or Florida's seven, one, and two, and they've won four straight. And Carolina's eight, two, and zero. Oh. So it, 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 we talked about it all year, Paul. It, it's a three-horse race. Yeah, four teams get in, so it's going to be kind of you know the lesser of five evils to get in. And right now, the Blackhawks are playing like that lesser of five evils. But they've got, they are getting tested, and they are learning a lot about themselves. And these young kids are learning what good hockey looks like and what it takes to compete at the highest level because Tampa and Florida are playing as well as anybody in the National Hockey League right now. And, and they've, they're you know five out of seven so far in March against those two teams. they got two more at Tampa starting tonight, and then they've got two at home against Florida. So Mar- March is a backbreaker for the Blackhawks, and so far it's kicking them in the butt. But it's how they respond, how they grow. And then when they come out the backside of this ridiculous stretch with Nashville, they host Carolina for a couple. But then, I mean, they finished April's back to February. Yeah. So the Blackhawks have a really good chance of, of riding the ship, taking advantage of bad teams, 
and trying to get in at the end here. Um, you know, they finished the season with a really tough run. Tampa, two for Florida, three in Carolina, two in Dallas. That's how the end of the season looks. So those two in Dallas on the 9th and 10th of May might determine who the four seed is in the division, but they still get to eat on Columbus, Detroit, Nashville in, in April. So this is just, this is the way that it goes when you're, when you've got a schedule that's locked into a division and the bottom half of your division sucks, you know, the Blackhawks are taking advantage right now. Yeah. I mean, all great points and especially bringing up the five games in hand here on, on Dallas. Um, you know, Columbus is going to go through an equally tough stretch here in the schedule as well. And, um, yeah, so it looks like if, if Chicago can just stay healthy and, and stay competitive and, and just stay in the mix, yeah, they can probably just, you know, not, you know, not a, um, irresponsibly float here in that fourth spot. And, you know, the Colton's going to have them playing well and, and, you know, they've, they've come a long way and I want to get into something too. I'm asking all the guys on the show too, as far as this season with fatigue and everything else. Um, but yeah, I mean. You know, this this might be the rest of the way here, Tab, and something unless something drastic really happens, and I guess maybe that would be if, if Chicago can really, you know, step up here and, and steal some wins here against um, you know, the Bolts and, and uh and Florida, if they can kinda maybe um give them um you know, simply just get wins. It doesn't matter so much about the tests and, and how they play against them, but um that would be the only drastic thing that's gonna change things, I think, maybe going forward, uh, at least for the, the, the rest of the time until they, they meet CBJ, and, and, and we start looking at who might be going for that fourth spot. Well, yeah, and when you say get healthy and stay healthy, one positive piece of news for the Blackhawks is it looks like Kirby Doc is actually ahead of schedule with his wrist, and he may be – there's still no official timetable. Calton talked to the media this morning and said they don't have a firm timetable yet, but he, he looks good. He's starting to skate with the team. He went on this road trip with the team. And so, I mean, when he had wrist surgery – at the beginning of January, you were looking at a four to five month timeline, which is April, May. And I, you know, we talked at the, when we started the show about, you know, if we're talking May 1st and he's, you know, one of the centerpieces of your future, if you're playing for the draft lottery, there's no sense in bringing him back for a half dozen games. But right now everything has changed because right now you're in a playoff spot. Uh, you're scuffling a little bit. So bringing back a legit top six center, makes sense it's a desperate need now whether or not coming off a wrist injury you know what he's going to look like at the dots going to be an interesting thing but Kirby Doc would be a huge addition to the lineup and then the other thing that I think is maybe most intriguing for Chicago over the next three four weeks is what the hell does Stan Bowman do at the deadline uh you know they've got 20 million dollars in long-term injured cap space to play with right now there are some teams that are desperately looking to get money off the books and Bowman did a, a Q and A um, this week where he said that they'd be open to bringing contracts back, but it has to make hockey sense. And so, if they're going to bring dead dead weight back, like an Andrew Ladd deal, there's going to have to be something to sweeten it for them, and they're not going to give a lot up for that. But if they can bring back a guy who's going to help them on the ice now and even in the next year, um, they're going to be interested, and they they may be buyers to an extent. Um, but not necessarily rental buyers, but looking at, at buying to impact the team this year and next year. And they've got some interesting guys on short-term deals like Matthias Yanmark, who the Athletic this morning linked to the Islanders, who, who might be sellable pieces as well. So really interesting looking ahead to the deadline at what Chicago might do because, like we said, they're in a playoff spot. Um, 
I think it would be great for the kids to get real playoff experience. I don't know how much you can really qualify last year's postseason in a bubble with no fans, with no travel as traditional playoffs. But they've got a lot of young guys who weren't on that team uh, in the bubble. And so getting like legit playoff experience would be good, even if it's Tampa or Florida whooping your ass another three or four times. You know, getting legit playoff experience would be good. Um, but it'll be fascinating to see what Chicago does between now and the deadline because they could be in that buy and sell mode. They could be the thrift shop. Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring that up, and I've started smiling a little bit because, you know, man, if they could get one or two pieces – to push them a little bit and it'd be interesting to see, you know, what kind of players will be available, who could come and, and, and add to the mix here. But, um, you know, they are, they're, they're kind of on that, that crossroads where, you know, because it's been a, it's been a fun season for them and we've talked about it here and every week it's been, it's, it's really been enjoyable just talking about these guys growing and playing together and everything else and having some success in the toughest division in the league. Um, but man, you know, one or two pieces and, and it could, even if they, you know, I think, it's, number one, you're right. It'd be great. You know, it looks like that's a big thing. Get them into the playoffs. Get that experience. And, man, if they could get one or two guys here for a couple of seasons, um, you know, now that Colton's, the, you know, pretty much um, he's getting settled in here too. Um, uh, they've obviously been able to play without Taze and Kane just doing a great job. And, obviously, Lincoln has been a, a great surprise for them too. So, um, I think that's some exciting stuff to, to look forward to the trading uh, deadline for the Hawks, no doubt about it. Two other quick things, um, Tab, as far as um, – you know, uh, talk about Lankin and playing in these three games as far as, you know, his, his progression, wins, losses, getting the ice time. Um, you know, how, how, how do you think he's looked, his psyche, uh, how do you think he's been? And um, is there concern as far as the um, the offensive output here, um, you know, against these tough teams? Is there anything is there anything changing in the system or anything? Maybe just those two points, uh, goaltending and, uh, and scoring the last week. Well, I think scoring has been an issue the entire year, and that comes back to their inability as a team to win faceoffs. Um, you know, I think Dallas and Florida have both been around 60% against the Blackhawks at the dot. And with no Tabes and Doc, I mean, we talked, you know, at length all year that the center position has been and continues to be a problem for the Blackhawks. And when you can't win faceoffs, it's hard to control the puck. And I don't care if Joel Quinville isn't there anymore. The style of play that wins games in the National Hockey League is controlling the puck. And that starts with winning draws. And so you need to get better there. You know, again, not sure what Doc will look like at the dot when he comes back from a wrist, but obviously they need to figure something out there. And I think when you start thinking trade deadline, I my eyes would be at the center position. Um, I wrote last week that I think, Buffalo is sitting in a fire sale position and, you know, there's a couple guys out there who would be marvelous ads uh, for the Blackhawks for now. And then next year, you know, under the presumption that Jonathan Taves comes back for next year. But, you know, if you can go get an Eric Stahl as a rental for the rest of this season, that's a top six center. And then Carl Soderberg is slotted down as a third or fourth line center. And that makes a lot more sense. Uh, or even better, Cody Eakin, who, you know, 58% at the dot, and he's having a brutal offensive season, but who isn't out there? I mean, Taylor Hall is probably pulling his hair out because he went there on a one-year thinking that he'd be able to jack his value up next to Eichel, and pun intended, I guess. But, <laughs> excuse me. Um, but, you know, 
I think he everybody in Buffalo is struggling. They're looking to sell. The price tag might not be enormous on stall. I think Eakin at two and a quarter would be a guy who could come in. He's he, a couple 20 goal seasons with Vegas. He he's a guy that I think could slot in as a two center now and an, an improved third center next year. So they need to improve the dot if they want to score. Um, but they keep kind of rotating guys around and moving guys through, trying to find a, a good mix because right now it's really Kane and Debrinket driving the driving the bus and. If you're getting a couple goals out of those guys every night, that's great. But you need it from somewhere else. Uh, and that's where the youth kind of you go up against some of the big world beaters and, and they lock you down and they make life hell for you and they're going to get theirs. So offense is an issue. It's a concern. Um, they can obviously be better. Uh, to your other question about Lankin, and, you know, he had almost he had a 918 save percentage in uh you know, back in February was, you know, I think a front runner for the Calder. He's cooled off as the team has cooled off. Obviously going against much better offensive teams is going to do that. Uh, but his save percentage is down at 89 in through five games in, in March. And um, he hasn't gotten a lot of help. Some of them have been fluky. You know, he had a goal that bounced off two of his defender skates the other night, so, you know, the Plinko chip hit a 1,000 for for the Panthers. Um, he's had stuff getting redirected off of his skaters. But you're going against really talented teams, and, and they find those ways to score. The Blackhawks did it for a decade, and now they're watching it happen and back to them. So, um, you know, Lankinen could be sharper. You know, he had a great game in Dallas a week ago. Um, stopped 28 out of 30 in a and desperately needed win to stop the bleeding a little bit but Florida beat him up pretty good um, and the Blackhawks are not blocking as many shots as they probably could or you'd like to see in front of them mm-hmm. um, so yeah I mean Lankinen has played well enough I don't think anyone's questioning that he's the starter in Chicago uh, I think he's a viable starting goaltender in the National Hockey League for this season and likely moving forward in Chicago I don't think that they'd be in the trade market for a starter uh, Malcolm Subban's been okay as a backup, but he's not pushing Lankin in for ice time. But, you know, the fluky stuff happens when you're playing good teams. You know, yeah. it, it's funny. It, it, sometimes you just laugh when you're on a good team and the good stuff's happening for you. Uh, and you laugh in your beer when the bad stuff happens to you because good teams are making it happen to you. And we've seen that. Tampa and Florida both have, have had some fluky stuff go right for them. And it doesn't seem to happen when you're when you're fighting uphill. Yeah, you don't get those bounces, and the Hawks could use a few bounces right now. But I do think uh, you know Lankinen has some work to do. He's young. We we can't ignore the fact that he is a true rookie, getting his first grind in at the National Hockey League level. But it's definitely from a statistics perspective been a step back. But you know you're playing teams that are used to scoring the puck three to five times a night, so. The guys in front, you got to help a little bit, and when you control the puck, they're not shooting, and that changes everything. All right, they got some time to uh, to pick that up a little bit going forward. Uh, the challenges will always be there for them, but it's uh, again, it's nice to see um, this this team mix it up a little bit, and um, just like I said, just been talking with you all season, and 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 it's just been positive things. Where it's been a little tough with Joe talking about the Sabers, you know, that's a that dumps the fire up there. So. <laughs> I, mean, I kind of feel like, and I've got some good friends who are Sabres fans, and one of them, I was like, so 
as a Sabres fan, like, what what are you feeling right now? And, <laughs> I don't and, know, and the and, and the one guy said, you know that scene in Back to the Future where Biff slams into the back of the manure truck? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, I So that's basically what this season has been for yeah. Sabres fans. You came in with a bunch of hope. You thought you were hot stuff. And if it could go wrong, it's gone worse than you thought it possibly could. Uh, super analogy. Hey, I want to ask you real quick. Um, what you, would you like? What would you like? Uh, what would you take seeing um... – Coach Q there with his with his Florida Panthers in terms of um you know how he's doing with that team and and what was it like seeing him behind the other bench? I mean, look, he's he'll go into the Hall of Fame at some point, largely because of what he did with Chicago. But he was a great coach before he got to Chicago. Uh, he's a great coach still in Florida. It was just it, it that was one of the th- places that I thought when he became available was a no brainer. Because they've got a ton of young talent, and they just and and you know what they played well under Gallant, and then that whole fourteen month what the hell that they did with, yeah, you know taking talent out of the seat, running Gallant out of town, getting crushed by the expansion draft with Vegas, and then trying to give talent what was left of the pieces and a roll of duct tape to put it back together. Um, but he has got a young team with a ton of talent playing well and playing confident. Uh, you know, this is a team that's kicking ass and not even waiting to take names. They're just rolling people right now. Um, you know, they've allowed 81 goals in 28 games, which is really good. Uh, Aaron Eckblad is back to playing at an all pro caliber level. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think a lot of people had huge expectations for. He came in so well and then kind of took a step back after Brian Campbell left. He's back at playing marvelous hockey. And their young forwards are just playing with so much confidence right now that, you know, I would not be surprised. Look, they're tied with Tampa right now, and they both played 28 games with 42 points. Carolina's at 28 games as well, and they're a point behind them. Um, But Florida's really rounding into shape, and it'll be interesting to see if they feel like they need to add anything at the deadline because, you know, Bobrovsky has looked better over the last couple weeks. Um, you know, obviously, I think his contract was going to put a bullseye on his back every night mm-hmm. um, and lead to a lot of conversation if he wasn't leading the league in everything because he is in payroll space. Uh, but he, he started to turn that corner, and, and they're playing much better hockey in front of him. And what we've seen against Chicago is that they are playing that classic Quinville, get the puck, own the puck, put it in the net, and then repeat. And... What the Blackhawks did when Quinville was in Chicago was, you know, take advantage of quick change, score at the end of periods, um, and when you get down two, score too quickly, change the score not once but twice, and that's what Florida's been able to do uh, a pretty good amount. So, I mean, they're second in the division in goals scored with 99, and they're catching Tampa quickly in the way that the Blackhawks have defended, uh, you know, both of those teams will be well over the 100 mark soon. So we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see how Florida ends up, but I think they're a team to watch at the deadline if they feel like there's a hole that they need to add. Absolutely. Good stuff. Last thing before I let you go, Tab, and I'm asking all the guys today too, and, you know, uh, even though I loved it as a Ranger fan last night and seeing the boys uh, crush Florida, I mean uh, Philly, 
listen to me. I got the Fs in my my brain here. Uh, the Flyers nine nothing last night at the Garden. Uh, the thing that stood out for me too, and I get your take on it, is fatigue. Um, obviously, with baseball, um, you know, you you the, the the physical taxing isn't as much obviously as a baseball player playing a three or four game set series. Uh, football, obviously, uh, you got a week in between games, maybe a short week if you're playing on Thursday or Sunday night or something like that. Basketball, similar schedule. But, um, again, I don't think the grinding and physicalness uh, as a hockey player goes through. So with this um, compact season, um, games every other night, sometimes two, sometimes three games in a row here, something new for the NHL, your take on fatigue here uh, for certain teams, if not, you know, you look at some injuries lately, Lee uh, on the island, Malkin here going out, Eichel obviously up in, in Buffalo. But just a quick maybe th- uh, your look back on the whole as the league right now and and uh, your idea on, on fatigue here uh, hitting the NHL and, and in a way that they've never played this this season before, a season before any time in its history. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hitting different teams in different ways. Um, you know, when the schedule was rolled out, there were some intentional two- or three-day windows where teams didn't play so that they could kind of get their legs back under them and, and feel a little bit better. Um, but as COVID has hit different teams – Schedules have been reworked. Games have been tweaked. Uh, you know, I think you talk about fatigue. That's the biggest drawback to Dallas chasing right now is they've got more games to play in a shorter window than anybody else in that division. Um, so I, I'm not sure that every team is getting hit by the same level of physical fatigue. But I think that there's definitely a an opponent fatigue that's that's starting to set in in a lot of places. and. You know, you, you talk about the Blackhawks and the Panthers. The Hawks have given up 20 goals in four games against Florida this year. And all four have been in Florida. Um, so when you know that you've got a bunch against a team that's putting it on you pretty hard, you go into a game kind of thinking, eh. And, you know, Florida gets down, and they're like, well, we're hanging five on these guys every night, so what do we have to worry about? We just got to take a deep breath and go get it. So... I think that some of the fatigue that's settling in mentally is when you go up against a team that's had your number this season and you, you're not done with them. They're going to come back on your schedule at some point. You're going to have to deal with it again and again and again. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, we talked about the Blackhawks schedule and that it, it feels like they've got a tough month and then a relatively easy month and then a hard month. And then two or three weeks of there's no easy game, but against lesser competition, struggling teams in Nashville, Detroit, and Columbus. And then three weeks of tough games to end the season. And it feels like for a lot of teams, there are ebbs and flows of the quality of opponents because you keep playing the same teams over and over again. And I'm sure that the Hawks are kind of, they won't admit it, but it's certainly Blackhawks fans are begging to fast forward the calendar to get in Nashville so that they can get this stretch of a nightmare against Tampa, Florida out of the way. So um, I do think that there's some scheduling fatigue in that you're facing the same opponents over and over and over again. And if somebody's got your number, that's going to stick in your mind. And, And as a young player, it's hard to overcome that. As a veteran, you can sit and look at film. You're used to this. You've gotten your butt kicked by teams and it's certainly in the case of like a Chicago or a Dallas, you've come back and, and beaten a guy that, that kicked your tail before. Um, but I do think that there's some scheduling fatigue and that you're starting to see some wear of going against the same team in, in a short burst of time. And 
getting you know the, a similar result more frequently than not. And I think you're seeing a lot of that all over the league. You're seeing teams that have a, another team's number for some unknown reason. You know, not everybody's got everybody's number for the last two weeks, like the Islanders or the Capitals. You know, who feel like they haven't lost since Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I do think that there's there's a scheduling fatigue that's settling in now, um, and you're going to see the metal. Um, two T's L E, not T A L for those musicians in the room. Um, <laughs> but but the metal of these teams is going to be tested, and their character is going to show when you've got games down the stretch against a team that's had your number and you need it. And that that'll be the the real telling point for Jeremy Colton and the young guys in the Blackhawks is when they've got Dallas and Florida and Carolina to finish the season out, and they've struggled against them during the season thus far. And they got to have it to get in. What, what do you show us? And we'll know a lot about a lot of teams based on how they finish the year, especially those teams, almost every division, that three to six line is wide open right now. Um, and so it makes for exciting hockey for fans. It makes for great conversation. But from a player's perspective and a coaching staff perspective, certainly I think it can be exhausting seeing the same sweater two or three nights in a row, five times in two or three weeks. Uh, and getting the same result, but it's up to the coaches and the players ultimately to cowboy up a little bit and overcome. And we'll we'll see who's got it. And if there are moves that are made at the deadline to help teams get over the hump, and if they feel like some kind of a change is necessary to get over that hump, that's what's going to make the trade dead, the deadline this year so much fun across the league. Is Finances aren't there for a lot of teams to yeah. go wild, but there are going to be teams like Chicago that might see the ability to add a piece or two in some glaring holes right now that help them maybe not win a Stanley Cup, but maybe be more competitive and get that playoff experience this year. So, um, you know, Chicago's had a rough stretch, but they got to come out the other side and win a few games to stay ahead of Dallas um, because right now, you know, with all due respect to Columbus and Nashville, I don't see it happening for them because they just cannot seem to turn the, the, you know, the bus around at all. Um, so, uh, the Blackhawks aren't being chased by more than really Dallas right now, but can't let it slip away. You can't be too complacent. Not at all, man. They got to get back at it tonight. Give the bolts all they got. Keep it going. Great stuff as always, Tab. A lot of respect for these guys on the rink here. There's no doubt about it. Whoever wins this thing this year is, uh, it's going to be a hard earned one. No doubt about it. All right, buddy. Thanks so much as always giving us the hit here, man. I appreciate it. Uh, send my regards to all the Bears fans and have a super weekend. Yeah, beer's on us. <laughs> Tap band for ladies and gentlemen. And that hockey show rolls on. All right. It's that time to head on out to the West Coast. The left coast. The best coast. All depends on where you are. But anyway you slice it. It's always good to bring back our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo from the great state of California and the city of angels. Steve-O, welcome back to THS, brother. How are you, buddy? Uh, another day in paradise, Paulie. Happy to be here. Glad to talk to you. How you been, bud? Good, man. You see, I always love your positive vibes, man. I mean, all the guys here, all my line mates here in THS, all the positive vibes every week. Even even poor Joe Yurden up in Buffalo there, Steve-O. <laughs> Just, well, all you can do about Buffalo is laugh now and 
you know, you must be pretty happy. That was quite a shocking game last night. Yeah, you know what? Maybe what we'll do is we'll start there, buddy. I'll flip it here a little bit because uh, I'm asking all the guys this week. We'll get into the Devils and obviously the Western Division here too. But, you know, you bring up the game last night. And one of the things that I'm asking all the guys too is talking about this schedule this year, right? And yeah. as happy as I was, no doubt, see, I was shocked more than anything. You know, <laughs> uh, Knobloch comes in there. Quinn and the rest of the staff is out for COVID. Uh, right. Nine goals. Zibanejad. Everything, everything that goes on last night is, is wonderful. It's great. But I'm thinking of fatigue, the, this schedule. Um, you know, I, I really have any sympathy at all for the Filthy Flyers, okay? Um, right. uh, beat us ugly there in the overtime on uh, on Monday night, and I thought that was just it for the Rangers. It was done. I thought that loss set us back for years, and then they come back last night. And now the, the Flyers have to go right back at it against the Islanders. And you start seeing some injuries that are happening across the league. Obviously, some uh, you know Eichel's been battling himself up there in Buffalo, but Anders Lee goes down for the Islanders last week. Malkin's gone out. Um, you know, there's a couple of the key guys throughout the rest of the team here. But your take now, obviously, watching a lot of the Western Division. But you know, uh, and, and we've talked about the Devils. The Devils just have an absolute brutal schedule this month, as as most of the yeah. teams do. But the Devils definitely do. It's like every other night. You know, baseball, you get three or four game sets, but it's not as taxing on the body as, as say, hockey is. Football has a week off in between the games and everything else, so on and so forth. You know where I'm getting at. So I'd love to get your yeah. feedback on the fatigue level here uh, for an NHL schedule like no other we've ever seen in, in the history before. You know, that's just it. You're playing a lot of games in a compressed schedule, and, and in multiple circumstances, you're playing – two, three, four, five, even five, up to seven games, which we saw earlier in the season in St. Louis and Vegas, against the same team. So you know that the, the physicality and the bad blood and everything is going to get ramped up, which is going to be more taxing on the body, and those injuries are going to start to mount up. And, I mean, this, this, if anything, and, you know, I was thinking about it last night when I was, I was watching the Edmonton game and thinking about what Connor McDavid's doing with the points. And, like, if he were to get to 100 points, which is what they were talking about, in this compressed schedule, in all these situations, you got to, like, really respect the season some of these guys are having from the goaltenders like Flurry to a guy like McDavid or Dreisaitl and the points that they're putting up. Because this season itself, just, just the way that it's constructed and, and dealing with the COVID and, the, and uh, playing the same team over and over, it's, it, it's got to be one of the hardest schedules any of these players have ever played. Yeah, and, you know, you mix in a couple of teams have obviously had the, uh, you know, the Devils again, Sabres, where they lost two weeks of a season. Dallas and Florida obviously uh, uh, had trouble there in the beginning. I mean, but some, time, some teams have flourished. You look at what's going on in the Central with Tampa Bay and Florida and, and Carolina as well. Uh, probably three of the best teams in the league, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, up in, up in Canada, the, those teams have pretty much played uh, uninterrupted all the way through. Um, so it's, it's interesting, but you know, I mean, you know, sit back, laugh, ha 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 last night with, uh, the Rangers beating up on the Flyers and, and the Rangers have had just had one of the weirdest seasons you could ever just, you know, cause it's not, you know, you can talk about, yeah, Buffalo's having a terrible season, obviously losses, mm-hmm. losing the coach, everything devils, obviously struggling young team, young mix, new coach, different Rangers have a lot of the, the, the talent on paper, right. And, and they're in this third year of the rebuild and everything else, but they've got a lot of quality guys on this team. But the stuff that's disrupted that team, you know, whether it's the D'Angelo stuff in the beginning, um, right. you know, Panarin. the Panarin stuff with Russia, um, yep. you know, Shesterkin being injury prone here, Kincaid playing for them, you know, right. and then Knobloch last night gets behind the bench and they win 9 nothing. It's just, 
it's just so weird in and around, uh, you know, just the Ranger season itself. But, like, I was looking at the Flyers and going, man, they they look real tired. And, you know, they, they played uh, – they played pretty tough there in the tournament, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the summer. And I was just sitting back going, man, you know, start thinking about the, the rest of the league here. And I, I wonder, you know, if you switch back to the West here and you look at, you know, teams like the Kings and the Yotes now that are hanging around there, uh, right at that, you know, going to be playing for that fourth place spot. Not so much um, maybe the Yotes so much. But, you know, you talk about the Sharks who've played a lot of ice uh, hockey in, in the playoffs the last few years and the Ducks too. They, they're probably not going to pull out of it, but – um, you know, seeing a team like Colorado probably struggling with it more with injuries and stuff, but then Minnesota kind of taking advantage of it, you know? Yeah, it's it's really because of the way that the season's been constructed, it's very hard to get a feel from night to night as to what's going to happen. I mean, you know, nobody nobody saw that happening with the Rangers last night. Nobody saw, you know, where Minnesota is. Minnesota's quickly becoming one of the harder teams in the Western Division to be able to play against. You know, Colorado, which was a team everyone expected to score a bunch of goals, having a tough time uh, getting more than two or three goals a game. Uh, fortunately for them, they, they they played the Ducks the other night, and everybody scores against the Ducks. Um, but uh, the, the so, so many weird circumstances this season. It's uh, it's been thoroughly entertaining, to be honest with you. Like you've just from from division to division to division, all the the different storylines and and whatnot. But I think the fatigue as we get into the second half of the season that you were talking about especially in the goaltenders. And I think that's maybe what we're seeing you know, with Carter Hart and, and Elliot and, and Philly. Um, you know, that's why they, they came coming into the season. It was so important for the teams to have good goalie tandem set up. And that's why, you know, in the beginning of the, when, when Crawford retired and the devils, you know, cause they thought they were going in with a solid tandem and they had to pick up, you know, different players. But I, I think teams really wanted to focus on the goaltending a strong goaltending tandem so that because they knew that eventually we get to this part of the season where things were really going to start to to drag on and for these guys as their bodies were going to you know like the, the condensed schedule is going to start to catch up with their bodies and I think you'll start seeing more injuries with the goalies and things like that and it looks like Carter Hart and even Elliot they've they've kind of hit a wall I know Harder's heart is has really been struggling lately and you know if 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 Philly doesn't have any goaltending they don't really have a chance to to hang in that division I think that's that's the case throughout the league. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I mean, I think the Rangers made it very interesting last night. This uh, above everything that I've said, um, they this last night was probably the first time that they pretty much had everybody that's on paper in the lineup. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. they've obviously got a tough go with Wash. They got four games coming up with Caps here uh, in between. While you know the Islanders now in Philly and, and Pittsburgh will have to kind of muck it out. So if, if depending on how the Rangers do and the Flyers do. Um, all of a sudden now that, that fourth spot gets a little interesting in the East. Swinging back to the West here, um, Stevie, this could be a leapfrog type of division here the rest of the way here. Yeah. Uh, Vegas up top here with 41. You know, if Minnesota beats um, – if they beat Avalanche tonight, man, they get a little closer to Vegas. Obviously, the Knights won last night against the Sharks. Um, mm-hmm. They're playing Colorado tonight. That's a mini in Colorado. So it's, it's a huge point spring uh, as far as, you know, like these teams just – they're going to be hanging on to each other like crabs here. And then you look at the bottom here. I mean, even if the Yotes were to win, they get 30 and they're tied with the Kings there. And then th- this is going to be some run here between – you got to include Vegas. They're not – you know, because they could hit, like I said, with Toyota fatigue, injuries or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, one, two, three, four, five. This could be a six-team run uh, for not only first place, but obviously uh, that fourth-place position too. 
Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I was going to mention is I, I think Vegas is in, is in the best position out of any of them as long as they don't run into, uh, you know, the injury bug, as long as they can stay, stay healthy and, and keep their goaltenders fresh. And, you know, I think they're in good position. As far as everybody else, I think it's going to be a dogfight to the end, you know. Uh, people are trying, starting to count out Arizona and, you know, you can count, count out San Jose and Anaheim, but I think, like you said, going a little run here and with the four point games every single night, I mean, you could be flip-flopping for the rest of the season. You know, St. Louis hit, you know, wins a few, then now they've hit a rough patch. Colorado struggles a little bit and then they start putting some wins together. And any one of these teams has shown that, um, you know, they're, they're not infallible. They can go into the doghouse. And if you lose three, four games in a row, against in these four point games you could find yourself sitting a couple points out of a playoff spot so i mean i think this is kind of what the nhl was hoping for when they align these divisions you know being safe and reducing the travel but also having you know it be competitive um from start to finish and and this division for sure is definitely going to be exciting from here on out and i'm I'm just curious how it's going to affect the trade deadline there seems to be a lot more uh sellers than there are buyers so i don't i wonder if any of these teams are going to try to make any moves to, to kind of, you know, bolster their position within the division. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about this Western division, too. I mean, how how wild will that be? No pun intended with the wild yeah. in this division. But, <laughs> um, you know, as far as making moves, we're still, what, th- about three weeks away from the, the trade deadline. Yeah. Obviously, uh, in other divisions, obviously, there's a couple of teams that just aren't going to um, – they're going to be selling, you know, it looks like the do- the ducks are probably, you know, I don't know what they have to sell. We'll see what happens. Um, but this, you know, 25 games in halfway mark, you know, here it is, man. It's, it's, um, you know, there's a couple things going on here, Steve-O, as you know, um, this is pretty much going to be playoff hockey the rest of the way, even though it has been yeah. sort of with division, but now it's like, wow, you know, here we go, man, buckle up. Um, because you know, they, they've, they've come this far uh, as far as teams, uh, a league and everything else. Now it's it's now you're looking up the standings, looking up who you're playing, and you got to put that extra gas in your tank because these points now are just going to be huge. Uh, the other yep. side of that too now is if you're on the losing end, like say the Ducks here or uh, the Sabers and everything else, do they use the rest of this season? I, mean, I was talking to Joe about this earlier, and I thought he had like a great point, like you know where the the Sabers should probably get a new coach in here and use the rest of this season almost like a preseason. You know, to, to um, you yeah. know, work with the players and get ready for next year instead of maybe riding out with an interim an interim coach, and then you know um, starting fresh in, in in the next you know the next preseason because it's over. You know, and I guess maybe yeah. I'll just throw this back to you with Anaheim here too in terms of how you might look at that too in a similar way with a team with the Ducks here that if in the next week or so that they really can't gain any ground or or get anywhere closer to the thirty point range, um, they might be looking at the same kind of thing. You know, I really thought that the Ducks expected to be more competitive when they they kind of you know brought Grant back and they re-signed Miller. I you know I thought that they, they I think they figured they'd be more competitive, but boy, just watching them, they you know they they just they're just a bad bad team the way that they're constructed right now. And you got to think that the only thing they can do from here is really start you know breaking the team up and and just kind of going with the young players that they have and kind of seeing what they have and using, like I said, the rest of this season as like a showcase for them to see who, who they can keep and build around. I mean, they, they jump out, you know, they score four goals in the first period against Colorado. And I'll just use this example because I watched it and I was just scratching my head the whole time. And, you know, I thought, okay, maybe they can hold on to this one. They blew, you know, three, nothing leads back to back games against Arizona early in the season. And I thought it was be interesting how they respond. And then they end up giving it up six straight goals and lose that game eight to four. And 
they were completely lifeless. There was no effort. There was no urgency. There was no cohesiveness. The team just, it, it looks worse than watching Buffalo, to be honest. At least Buffalo looks like no they've got way. players. No way. Get out of here. Can't be worse than Buffalo, Steve. I don't know. I just watched Buffalo recently least, play the Devils, and I thought least, they played hard. At least in California, <laughs> the weather's nice and warm, and you can run down the beach, you know, and get your mind off of things. But you can't do that up in Buffalo. <laughs> that's true, and maybe that's what's going on here. But <laughs> the Ducks are – I fully expect the Ducks to start selling things off. I know Ricard Raquel has been a hot commodity, but he's one of the players that I think they should probably hold on to because he is uh, – he's still relatively young. He's on a pretty good contract. He can – probably one of the only guys that can score goals um, for them. And, um, yeah, but, you know, guys like Getzloff and, and Adam Henrique, which has a difficult contract to move, I, I don't expect these guys, I, you know, to be here for long. You know, I know Getzloff wanted to retire here, but they might give him the opportunity to go play somewhere else and try to get into the playoffs and, and maybe uh, win again. But, boy, they are a bad team. Well, get your uh, checklist out there, Steve-O, and your notes, and uh, pay attention here and see what, see what the Ducks do uh, over these next couple of weeks. Uh, fun stuff. All right, man, let's swing back. All the way to the East Coast, and let's talk about your New Jersey Devils. 26 games played, yeah. 9, 13, and 4, 22 points, 7th mm-hmm. in the division, 28th in the league. 1-3 uh, in the last four since last week, me and, you, me and you talk three losses to the Icelanders. We both hate losing to those guys. Uh, yeah. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that that overtime uh, shootout uh, game with the call <laughs> and everything else. Uh, beat the Sabres 3-2 on Tuesday. And, you know, the Devils, this is what they can do the rest of the way. They can be coach killers. Uh, they can mess up other teams' playoff chances and so on and so forth. So uh, that's that's maybe a, a positive thing that the Devils can look at doing in terms of what they did to the Sabres the other night. Uh, three with Pitt coming up, um, then Philly, and two times with the Caps. Uh, we've talked about this brutal schedule. Um, so I guess, you know, all I can do, Steve, is throw this back to you in terms of uh, um, where you think the team is in, in a week, any any changes up and down. Any, I guess we'll try and look for the good things. And then on, it's terms, you know, like what we're talking about with the fatigue and everything. And you get a game like that the other night with the Islanders. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it, had to go, if it goes the other way, it's just another positive thing that the Devils maybe could just step onto to the next ladder, you know, step on the ladder. Whereas it, it, it yeah. seems like a setback and it kind of takes the, the gas out of the tank a little bit, the wind out of the sails. and then So, so uh, talk about that and, and just where you think the team is here. Uh, a little recap here for the last week. You know, I, thought, I don't think they've played that bad. Uh, I think they've been more competitive i think they've they've uh kind of put some of the this i mean they're still sloppy they're still making mistakes but that's to be expected with the young team but i i do feel that they're playing better and they're being competitive you're seeing Mackenzie blackwood is said he's feeling better and i think that's a positive because i really think that uh the after effects from him his bout with covid were, were really hurting him as far as uh his stamina and things like that so i just expect the team to to be competitive going uh you know from here on out i i don't you know, I don't see them making any kind of push to, to the playoffs, but it'd be nice if they could hang around, for, you know, NHL 500 or at least be competitive for the rest of the season. Uh, I think you'll see um, some other place, players getting showcased, if, especially if the Devils do decide to move out some of their pieces, like possibly a Travis Zajac or even a Miles Wood. Or, you know, you might see a kid like Nolan Foote um, get a chance to, to play a few games up in the NHL. And I think that's really what we're looking forward to. Uh, to is seeing some of these other young guys get a shot. We've seen what Sharon Govich has done. We've seen what Yanni Kwokinen's been able to do. Um, you know, and without those guys, the Devils are really getting nothing from any of their primary scoring weapons. Uh, they still have Nico Heischer had surgery. He's out. You know, they're getting a lot of secondary scoring. So it's 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 
as a as a fan that's been watching this team for a long time, it's good to start seeing some of the positivity of some of these other players, the younger players coming in and, and having an impact. But, um, you know, the team just really all we really want from them going forward now is to not, you know, lose nine nothing to the Rangers. That that would be positive. <laughs> yeah. Watch out, boys. They're, uh, <laughs> you know, one and I, I say, you know, keep Knobloch behind the bench here and just, you know, have Quinn on the on the, you know, on the uh on the walkie-talkie there. We'll see how things happen. <laughs> um, I, go ahead. Oof, man, I, I just, I was, I hate when the Devils lose. I especially hate when they lose to the Rangers. And I could not even imagine, you know, they brought it up on the screen. The last time the Rangers won a game by nine goals was against the Devils in 1986. Yes. And I couldn't imagine, like, sitting there and watching my team, especially to lose to the Rangers, nine, nothing. Uh, that would be just I wouldn't have taken your phone call today, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll make a note of that if we ever do get up to not call or text Steve if the goal goes beyond seven goals. <laughs> yeah, no, brutal stuff. Um, All right, so a little give and take here with the team and stuff like that. And, and you know, I guess this is basically what all we can kind of do here. I mean, it, it's, you know, we always talk about it. It comes down to wins and losses. They've got to win the games. Uh, yeah. As far as, you know, anything happening for the rest of this season, too, man. Hey, look, I, you know, like I said, they could be coach killers, man. I mean, you know, beat Pittsburgh this weekend and get rid of Sullivan. And maybe you go into yeah. Philly next week and uh, you knock uh, Vigneault out. You know, maybe they keep struggling. It'd be great if you went into Washington 1-2 and took out, um, you know, Laviolette for us. That'd be great. And then, you know, Cassidy, you know, Boston a couple <laughs> games in there. Get rid of Cassidy, too, for us. Go on. Hey, the Devils can the go Devils on a coach killing tour. Number. Yeah, What's that? that would be great. The Devils have had Boston's number, so you never know. They could just, you know, <laughs> coach assassins the rest of the way. Help yeah. the Rangers out. That's what I'm basically getting to. Can you do that as Devils fans? Can you do that? Uh, sure, yeah. we could, but do we want to do that? Maybe not. Maybe it's better just to maybe just to play the bunch of young guys and, and let the Devils lose a bunch of games and, and increase their draft proposition. As long as the Rangers, it doesn't help the Rangers out. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. No. I think, uh, I think, well, I mean, let's talk about the competitive edge here and, and maybe some things that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're tuning into what Lindy's saying here, uh, you know, veteran coach here, um, yeah. you know, again, it's, it's, it's a crossroads type of season here. Bottom line is they go out and win some games here. They can stay close to the pack. And then, you know, another three weeks here, the trade deadline, and they see what happens if there's anything that can help them, or maybe they could help themselves. Uh, with a move or two, and and you know, so we still got a little time there to go from. But I mean, maybe something you, you can kind of um, something you heard from Lindy, something you like, what you've heard, or or just maybe another something here that I'm missing that you want to bring up about the Devs. You know, I I like Lindy a lot. I like his press conference. I like the things that he says. You know, he's a straight shooter. You know, he'll say when the team is not bad. He'll he'll you know he benched a guy like like Ryan Murray, which was one of their big additions in the off season. He's not afraid to push those right buttons. And I, I fully expect him to spend the rest of the season just evaluating the players on the roster. And, you know, his, we'll call it his first full season, you know, his first full season behind the bench, he's going to decide, you know, who can play within the system. Who's a guy that you, you know, you want to, to be on the team. And if the guy is not playing to the standard that Lindy has, and Lindy has pretty high standards, then I, you know, he won't be on this roster. And I think that's important going forward to see how, um, the the lineup is constructed by Lindy. He's done a lot of line tinkering lately. Like I think he, the lines this morning had uh, Hughes with Wood and Bastion. And I don't know if they're trying to bolster Wood's uh, trade stock or they're just trying to get something going with uh, 
Jack Hughes being able to have somebody who's as fast as him on his line, but he's done a lot of line tinkering. And I think it, it's interesting. I think if you pay enough attention to the Devils, you can get a good grasp of where the team is just based on how Lindy uh, is is tinkering the lineup, who's in, who's out. Um, and I, I'm, you know, when they first brought Lindy in, there was a lot of, you know, negativity because that wasn't one of the names you heard out there. But I think he's the perfect guy for this team right now. And I think he's only going to help, you know, push this developmental process of these players along further and make the team competitive more, you know, quicker than we we had anticipated. And and you and you kind of like you like the team's efforts even in the last I, week here. I, I, I know do. you said I that mean, I know you were... said that briefly in the beginning. You, you said that you didn't feel yeah. that they weren't playing all too bad. And the reason I'm bringing that up again too is, you know, I mean, there, there's a there's a small window here for the Devils. You know, mm-hmm. at 22 points, and, and, and you know, the Rangers aren't pulling away from in, in, in any way, shape, or form. I mean, the Caps yeah. could bring them right back down to earth. And if you guys are able to go in and maybe steal a couple of points here or a couple of games here against this three-game set against Pitt, and, uh, you know, Philly's tired, man. Philly's banged up. You brought it up, too, yeah. especially but the Golding and stuff. If they can maybe get four points, six points here or something before they hit Washington, they're in the mix. I just haven't seen enough from them lately to think that they can do that, you know, especially against some of these other teams. They don't play against they don't play very well against uh, Pittsburgh uh, traditionally. Um, Philly, you know, they've they've they're competitive against them. Washington always has their number. Um, You know, they've they've been competitive. But in the beginning of the season, when they got out to the hot start, they were outworking teams that they caught teams by surprise. They were pressuring the puck. They had, you know. They were forcing the teams into turnovers, and now they're doing a little bit more sitting back. They'll get their rushes. Their cycle hasn't been as strong. So I just – I don't know how they can, you know, get in a situation where they can move themselves up the standings. It's all about, you know, development right now and, and taking a lot of positives out. And uh, I think that we got ourselves a little ahead – you know, a little excited about the way they started, and, and we should have – you know, I should have known it wasn't sustainable – and I just haven't seen that that same level of consistency um, to think that they can go on a little bit of a run here. If they do it, I mean, would I be totally shocked? No, but it, do I think that it's something that's going to see them, you know, just a four or five points out of a playoff spot at the end? No, I don't think that's possible either. All right, well, try and stay positive, Steve. You know, <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, take this with a grain of salt from a Rangers fan here. I mean, obviously, I want you guys to lose every game. Right. In the context of, of, you know, you giving us commentary on the Devils, you being a Devils fan, and, and you're adoring fans that are Devil fans adoring you, I'm just try, trying to be positive here in a, in a, in a crazy kind of that. season that we're going through. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know I love you, buddy. So, um, all right. So, look, with that said, man, you know, like I said, they, they, it's, it, they just got to get in the mix. They got to win it here. Uh, Lindy's a good guy. Um, I, I, last thing I want to say here in the Devils, too, is, um, you know, where, where do you – because I don't, I hate to think a guy like PK Subban is getting lost in the mix here. And so talented, um, very popular, obviously in a in a in a in a huge city like Montreal, huge hockey city. Um, he goes down to Nashville, just becomes a great star down there, gets to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, he swings in here to New Jersey, obviously an asset to the team as far as his experience, um, yeah. you know, uh, with the young guys and everything else. Um, but I, I, do do you think his star? Is, is getting a little dull here in Jersey, not so much for the team, but, you know, maybe just get – I'm going to shut up here and, and just give me a little roundup here on, on, on PK uh, being on this team right now. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously he, you know, being in Montreal and being in a place like Nashville, he, you know, he, he was putting up points. He was in North conversation. So he was always in the forefront in New Jersey. He's been kind of, bit, you know, kind of lost. He had a down year. And um, I, I do think though this year, like he's not the same PK Subban Norris trophy candidate. He is a, a guy, guy whose game is actually evolving and we're actually seeing it this season. And he's one of the veterans I would like to see the Devils hold on to. I know that's an unpopular um, opinion, but I think he's so good for that that locker room and that young those young players. Everyone felt so good for him when he scored that goal against um, the Islanders that uh, ended up not counting. But yeah. you can see that he he's got the you know he, the, the his teammates really like him, and I think he's he's putting more effort on his defensive game this year. Um, he, I think he's tied for the team league and assists, so he is putting up points. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just think he's one of those those veteran voices that Tom Fitzgerald kind of alluded to last season when he was, you know, talking about, you know, we've got a lot of young kids, but we do need some veterans in this in the locker room here. And Kyle Palmieri is one of them, and I think P.K. Subban's the other one. Um, so as far as being an NHL star, no, I, I think that's kind of faded. He's not a Norris candidate. He's still a great personality. And he's still uh, a viable NHL player who can who can add to the team, whether it's in defensively and or chipping in a few points here or there. He's someone I, I really like. And I, I think that, you know, it would behoove the Devils to hold on to him, at least while they're waiting for some of their younger defensemen uh, in Binghamton and, and whatnot to to develop. He's a good placeholder. Yeah, well, I hope he, uh, you know, like I said, I can't believe I'm saying this. But I do. I, you know, I love, I love PK. I think he's just a phenomenal personality, a great talent, great player and stuff like that. And, uh, I really do. I hope the devils mix it up here a little bit because I'd love nothing more than, uh, when we get into that four game stretch in, in April, the Rangers and the devils are playing each other and me and you will, uh, will have something to kind of, you know, get a little angry at with each other, you know, you know, well, I've, I, before we go here, I have a quick PK story. I don't go uh, man. if you have a minute. I sure do. La- before the shutdown last season, the devils came into Anaheim. It was on uh, March 1st and I took the whole family to go see him. And my daughter, um, I have a nine-year-old daughter. She was eight at the time. She liked PK Subban. She really liked him. I, um, and I, I had a PK Jersey and she really, she was like, I'll get it signed dad. I'll get it signed. I, you know, I just, you know, maybe I can talk to PK or whatever. And, um, I'm like, well, they don't really see sign at warmups or whatever, but she stood there the, the entire time, waited for him. When he came out, he like, you know, she got his attention. He didn't do anything. He kind of, uh, you know, but he didn't forget her because he went out and skated, did his thing, did his warmups, came out. He did like a, a little dance before he got on the bench and he came, he signaled to her as he was coming off the ice and uh, she came down and he took the jersey, he signed it. And like, I will never forget that, wow. that moment, how happy she was. And to me, that, that kind of endeared me forever to PK because he, he's one of those guys that's just such a, you know, always has a bright smile, just a really happy-go-lucky guy and, and somebody you want on your team. So, you know, I might, hold him in a different regard but to me that was i gained a lot of respect for him and my daughter will never forget that ah oh, it's an awesome story man i got my, my fur is coming up on my arms here man i just love yeah. that man that's just <laughs> oh man that's that's great stuff and and that met that really just reinforces you know like i said my vibes and my feelings for pk man because uh yeah that's just a great stuff thanks for sharing that man that's awesome that's yep. awesome. Next time I ask you the daughter to get an extra signature for me, though, okay? <laughs> you got it, buddy. Think of Uncle Paulie out here in New York. <laughs> All right, buddy, you're the best. As always, best to your family. Stay safe out there in Cali. Have a great time. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks so much for Thank doing this time. as always, buddy. And, uh, again, always look forward to talking to you, and I can't wait till we do it again next week. Oh, oh, last thing. How was your St. Patrick's Day yesterday, buddy? 
<laughs> it was good, man. I, I took the day off from work. The family and I actually went to a Revolutionary War reenactment. Wow. Which, uh, yeah, there was a, 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 a big battle that took place on March 17th, 1775. Uh, and they kind of reenacted the whole thing. So uh, it was pretty interesting. Well, so, not not I like everybody it. does. See that, folks? See that, UTHS fans? Not only do you get a happy P.K. Subin story, it's followed up by Steve-O and the family going to see reenactments of fighting in the wars on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> this is some special stuff. <laughs> it was pretty fun. It was a, a different a different vibe for sure for St. Patty's Day, but I enjoyed it. That's all right, man. Look, uh, it's just uh, as long as you guys had fun and nobody got hurt, that's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's right. <laughs> all right, buddy. You stay safe. Stay warm out there. And uh, catch you next week, buddy. Thanks so much. All right, brother. Take care. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, is always from the left coast, the west coast, the best coast. And that does it for us here today on THS. Thanks so much, as always, to my line mates, Joe Yurden, Mr. Costa Papulius, Mr. Tab Bamford, and to all you guys out there listening, downloading, sharing. Thanks so much. Keep your head up. Enjoy your hockey. Have a great week. We'll be back here next week on THS.